being a bit skeptical where I'm like, wow, this really matches up. I don't like that. And maybe that is a part of me, but being able to face that head on and go, I'm going to be stronger. My role in the band was what I felt simply was uh, cheerleader. I realized how much of a crutch in, in good ways and bad ways that he was to me is every single thing I'd pick up the phone and call him something that you love and it's a calculated risk. It's for me, I realize that's something I should always do. Your Jedi mind tricks don't work on me. The difference is when I'm in a relationship, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that it has, if I'm all in, that means I, I trust, I'm vulnerable. And that it's, and I used to think, oh, I'm, that makes me weak. No, I'm, it, here's the thing it makes me, I realize as I get older, it makes me strong to be able to do that. And some people will, take advantage of. I was really involved with church. In fact, I almost thought about becoming a pastor. I did from time to time question my faith and like, what if you, like, I remember being a kid and panicking, like, you know, like that fear of death. It's, uh, you know, like, what if we just become nothing? Like that thought of becoming nothing. And what if there's nothing like that's panicking, but it was a weird connection is that most of them were sixes. I'm it salivating for a response. Yes. Right yes. Now. Feeling of being welcomed and loved, but without an agenda. It, 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 it's kind of an undescribable feeling of, uh, it, it, I don't want to say a high or like a euphoria, it's just, but it's like a, a spirit, uh, like a spiritual nirvana. Hi, welcome to episode three of the Talking Truth podcast. This is Elliot Killian here. And just a few announcements before we get started with the podcast. I'm, I'm really excited to share this one. I think here in episode three, we really stumbled upon a great format that is just an awesome way to get a deeper understanding and appreciation for each Enneagram type through these kind of long format explorative interviews. So as I said, just a few announcements before we get started here. Uh, for one, depending on what platform you're listening to, this podcast is available in the video format on either Spotify or YouTube. So if you're interested in seeing the video and getting a more complete picture and vibe for the type here that I'm interviewing, consider checking that out. And on that note, if you're on YouTube, please consider subscribing to Elliot Killian, uh, where we have the Hot Talking Truth podcast. I think there were a couple great topics that we discussed on this podcast that I'd love to do some more um, in-depth videos and offshoots about. So you can subscribe on there to stay tuned with that. And it'd also be a great platform. I'd love to know um, if there's anything in this that really resonated with you as a six or made you understand something about or appreciate something about sixes more after watching. So thanks for listening. And I hope you get a lot out of this one. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Talking Truth Podcast. Uh, we're going to do things a little bit differently today. I don't know if you've been tuning in, but in some of the past episodes, I've had kind of a co-host dynamic where I have another friend on and we really go into all the di types and do a more kind of impersonal dissection of certain topics. But today we're just joined by a good friend of mine, Chris. Hey, everybody. All right. And super happy to have you. And Today, to I'm, I'm looking more to just have kind of a normal human conversation. We'll talk about how we became friends, how we know each other, and just catch up a little bit and then kind of tangentially relate back what we're talking about uh, through the Enneagram, because I think all of our experiences can kind of <laughs> be traced back and understood through that. But That's true. the goal is not to, you know, 
say definitive things about a certain Enneagram type in general. It's more to see how that type kind of plays out in the specifics of, of your particular life. And I think there's some good stories there. Absolutely, agreed. So I guess first off, uh, some of my guests may not know their Enneagram type, but I think you know your type. So what are you? Uh, I'm a type six Enneagram. All right. All right. And maybe talk a little bit about how you came to discover that or know that, and if there was any confusion or other types you thought you were. You know, I think, well, the big thing is, is obviously you introduced me to the Enneagram, which being a bit skeptical about a lot of things that, let's face it, you know, just a lot of us don't understand. I was kind of like, oh man, this is weird. This is goofy and silly. Mm, Uh, But once you kind of broke down the dynamic of like each Enneagram and why you kind of felt like I was a six, I looked into it and it really made a lot of sense. And there's some, you know, again, strengths and weaknesses to kind of each Enneagram and, and looking at it and really looking at just being open and honest with myself of like, hey, here's the things I want to look at, like the loyalty part of the six and things that I'm like, okay, this is this is very accurate. And the things I didn't want to look at, like, you know, a lot of the anxiety, you know, like, hey, looking at like, here's the worst case scenario in a certain situation, like, where I'm like, wow, this really matches up. And just seeing all those things together, it really, it really kind of hit home and made me want to kind of jump into it more, yeah. uh, which got me excited uh, and made me kind of go, you know what? The, it, it helped me a lot in a lot of ways go face those, you know, weaknesses and go, where can I grow from there? So it was very like beneficial and helpful in that way too. Awesome. (laughs) You answered already some of my follow-up questions, but I just want to point out, I love how you started off with the, the skeptical, like you already packed so much sick stuff just into, into that answer about definitely it's, it's always amusing to me when you start talking about the Enneagram to even see how the initial first reaction that people have to just the idea of it in general, sometime already starts hinting at their type and that notion of skepticism and where's the evidence and show me the proof. And this isn't yeah. some hula, you know, feel good kind of mystic nonsense, is it? You know, right. Um, so I think that really points to some of the sixisms. But then also, I think one of the things I find most endearing and your strength is your ability to just be honest about yourself and own what are your strengths and kind of own what are your weaknesses. And I think other types sometimes have trouble with various aspects of that. But in general, I think it's a very sick thing to kind of just be very not hiding about, you know, who I am and and the good and the bad. And I think that's what really uh, takes off with you in the Enneagram, yeah? Yeah, it, it, you know, I think, and again, just because of you kind of opening my eyes to, you know, and we, you know, talked about the, you know, skepticism with it is really the, once you get into it, it's really, whether you believe, you know, believe in it or not, there's a, there's so much room for growth in it of just wanting to be the best part of yourself. So no matter what type, uh, what what number you are in w- within the enneagram? There are these really anybody's going to see those strengths and weaknesses. But being able to really go face to face with those weaknesses and go, I don't like that. 
yeah, yeah, that's accurate for sure. I don't like that. And and maybe that is a part of me, but being able to face that head on and go, I'm going to be stronger and I'm going to kind of do what I can uh, to kind of move past those weaknesses or at least minimize them to to really live a live a better life. Uh, it, so it really has been really impactful on me and, and also how, you know, I see other people. So again, part of that whole going into that deep dive of things of like, what, you know, what is this kind of almost being over analytical, which is, you know, a, you know, big part of that six for me is like, okay, what's, what's the worst case scenario of digging into this? And jumping into it and I, I realized you know obviously with other people and stuff too it can make me see okay what is that per and then you you really yeah. it's a conversation starter too which isn't always easy yeah well you again kind of mentioned the whole proof thing and the idea of whether you believe in it or not but now i think to transition to our next segue i think people often maybe struggle that if they're simply introduced to the Enneagram as an, you know, idea online or something, and it's not rooted in someone they know or their community or something. But the, this brings us to the the next topic of how we met and whatnot. We had the unique uh, situation and scenario of being bandmates. So as I was kind of getting the Enneagram and introducing it to you, you know, it wasn't just an intellectual exercise of reading a book. I, I think we got to see firsthand how these certain dynamics played out in a very, a real setting because sometimes people refer to bands like in a relationship. So the unique thing about being in a band is you're in a relationship with five or so people in our case, and then, you know, managers and tangential people as well. And uh, there are so many human interactions and so many dynamics and so many. Have you ever gotten, have you ever gotten into it? Like talking about like with your listeners here about how you kind of just, you know, really brought like brought that up with with all of us and and uh, kind of how you did it and, your, and the way you did it. No, we're only I'm only kind of t- let's see I'm two I think two official podcast episodes okay. in, so we haven't gone too in depth. But gen- yeah, for for sure, I mean, just uh, very creative way that you uh, that you implemented it. <laughs> I don't and, know what you're yeah. actually referring to here. Like so. how how you uh, kind of brought it up, like brought it up to the like to the band and how you wrote down kind of like, here's what I think everybody's oh, yeah. how no, I, and, how, and then the reaction how of, I, uh, our, of our bandmates to, uh, you know, by the way, I'm sporting the sporting the up all night. Yeah, name of the you band. I got to do that a little bit here. So, uh, but <laughs> just, uh, all of our reactions to kind of what you threw out there. And then, um, also really, I guess being, uh, you know, being a five and thinking things through and really just being really so much more of a head type, you were kind of like, you know, wrote down everybody's number and then really were prepared to back up, you know, your your findings (laughs) and your arguments with everything. And I feel like, and maybe I could be wrong and you can tell me, but I feel like you knew who would have an argument with their number and you were just, you were prepared to defend you, where you're where you're coming from, and really, it was just like you nailed it to the point where I think everybody's, if they're really looking seriously, which I know you have some people that kind of uh, argued they're not and still do. Uh, uh, yeah, I hope yeah. <laughs> I hope for said person to be a future guest on the that podcast, w- which so. would be awesome. Um, yeah. But I think 
it was almost like, wow, this is like some witchcraft or sorcery because yeah, you're yeah. like reading why certain people had the kind of uh, relationships and the way uh, some of us interacted with each other the way we did and how we did. Yeah. And it was based off of the Enneagram. Uh, so, you know. It's definitely how I saw it play out. And, and you're right. I wasn't, different people may introduce it in different ways, but I had the very like, yeah, all right. You're all this type, like, <laughs> yep. argue with me if you want, but it's futile. So. Yep. Anyway, enough about me, enough about all that. I want to know, as a six, what kind of, just generally, what was your role in the band and what is your interest in, you know, I think one thing we uncovered being in the band is that different members had totally different reasons for playing music and wanting to play music or wanting to be in a band. So talk a little bit about what is your specific attraction to music specifically, and then also maybe what kind of role as a bandmate you played. You know, certain people are the technical person, certain people are managerial, certain people are the star, quote unquote. So what kind of role did you fill in the band? You know, my role in the band was what I felt simply was... Um, cheerleader you know i really i took a lot of pride uh in say there was you know a disagreement uh say there was an issue is like really kind of being that person like hey guys we got this let's you know let's move forward uh trying to be as positive as possible um and then also and again you know from just a performance stamp like what i loved about uh the music and i know we you know it, this you know, fits in with the Enneagram is like the way we see um, what we enjoy most and get the most out of yes. the music and performing is uh, I absolutely, my favorite part isn't, you know, oh, we're doing this song or playing it a specific way. It's the reaction from, from the fans, the crowd. So when it could be a song I would never, ever listen to, but if we perform it and people are dancing and enjoying it and having a great time, that's my like, okay, I didn't care about anything else. This is it. The performance part, the reaction from uh, the fans, the people out there like, okay, this this is what connects me to it. This is what gives me that energy and adrenaline to want to keep doing it. Uh, where we're all just, not, it's and not just obviously the fans in the crowd, but we're all feeling it. But it's that it's all of that together where it's like, all right, this is, this is what it's about. Yeah. You know? Awesome. So very much about community, right? Yeah. And, and relationships. And I'd say the intra-band dynamic was very much, A, you, you said the word cheerleader, which kind of reminds me of that six wing seven energies. Uh, sometimes that's archetypally called uh, the buddy or something like that. And, th and that's very much, the role you played. And I think also to kind of illustrate some of the Enneagram dynamics, you also, as with what you said, very much so played that that six to nine connection, which has that kind of uh, peacemaker role because there were some very strong personalities yeah. in the band, myself included. And for a little more context, we were a cover band and I had previously played in original bands. And one thing that I was unaware of would be such a potential area of conflict in the cover band. You know, when you're original band, it's like, okay, you play your songs. Right. And surprisingly, there's not always a lot of conflict about that because 
you don't have an unlimited amount of songs to work from. And some people are more apt to songwrite and some people are kind of just happy to show up and play their parts. And in some original bands I've been in, there hasn't been a lot of conflict. But when you're a cover band and you have a near infinite amount of songs to pick from, yep. things can get surprisingly dicey. Yeah. Um, and everyone has very strong opinions about what they want to play. And I definitely think you kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of took the role of, I just want everyone to be happy. Yeah. Let's just play music. And in a lot of ways, you were kind of the glue that held the band together. And thank you. I think helped people move a little beyond their uh, kind of selfish notions for what songs I want to play into kind of the idea of, well, what's best for the band. And I think talking about the Enneagram in terms of strengths and weaknesses, what I just said uh, is kind of just the role you played. It's hard to know whether that's a strength. In a lot of cases, it was a strength, but like anything, I think a big theme throughout the Enneagram is that any vice can become a virtue. So you can yeah. take being the peacemaker and being the teammate and being the, uh, you know, so, so long as everyone's happy a little too far to the point of, well, what about me? Am I happy? And I think you had a little bit of that in the band, right? Yeah, you know, what I mean, you nailed it right on. I mean, it not only learning by you know, kind of like okay, these you know certain things didn't work, um, and being aware of that, like really understanding that, um, at least from my perspective, was when you have a cohesive unit as a team in anything, um, it's it 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 really makes everything. I won't say not just easier, but uh, it just makes it better. Uh, that, like again, from my perspective, when commun when communication is uh, just totally transparent, when you put everything out there. Um, now, yeah, I mean, when the the biggest problem I I would say that I had in that that quote unquote cheerleader just trying, hey guys, you know, one, if I can have an impact on somebody else being happier, that from just personally, that feels great. I love that. Um, but yeah, I, I would say kind of where the downfall in that is, you know, feeling like I was being heard, you know, because I didn't throw a ton of stuff out there, suggestions. And when I did, I felt like, hey, these are at least should be heard. Yeah. And they weren't always. Now, uh, that was a frustration, uh, you know, where I feel like, you know, pretty good is that fact that I didn't hold back on that. When I when I felt like, hey, I wasn't being heard, I made it very clear to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I definitely remember one practice where it was like, you know what, y'all, like I've been making y'all happy and all, all, all stuff, but you know what? I want to play this song and I don't care if it's the most popular song. I don't even care if the crowd doesn't like, like I just want one song that I legitimately like to play yep. out of our three hour set. Can I get that? Yep. And it's like, all right, you, <laughs> you, you can get that. That's yeah, it was. I, yeah, it was. And I didn't intend. It was one of those things where I'm just like, all right, I, like serious. I'm gonna th put it all out there, and uh, you know, and you saying that, and I remember thinking at the time afterwards, like my intention was not like to guilt trip. It was just, uh, it was, it was like, yeah. I mean, we're a team, yeah, and everybody in the team should have a voice. Yeah. You know, and including you, yeah, exactly. You know, because that's the six nine connection is making sure everyone 
but me has the, you know right has the voice but then i view that kind of as the very uh, healthy use of the connection to three where it's like what is my authentic desire and how can i not forget that and voice that too even if some people don't like it even if it maybe leads to a little conflict like it's true for me and i gotta say it yeah and that's you know i the other thing with that too is just uh you know being loyal to the team and really you know put it you know there are moments um where and again this is a strength and a weakness at depending on how you look at it but there were moments where um there could have been business decisions made um but it would hurt somebody on the uh, in the band or on the team and i always went in the personal direction of the team yeah. um and that it just whether it's a conscious thing but I, I really feel like i used to think like oh i'm you know it's just you know an empathy thing or just trying to like feel for that person put myself in their shoes and i realized a lot of it's a loyalty thing and it really is it's it's something um you know arguably i value uh, among almost anything else is just um is i will give everything to somebody um and i it and it's not a trade-off and like you need to do any that's not how i look at things it's more of um just the appreciation and of on the on the other end of realizing what i'm doing so that's where you know we'd be in situations where i'm like i'm not being heard and it's that is a i'm doing putting my blood sweat and tears into this just like you guys are and in fact i'm i'm going a level of really caring about making you guys happy uh that's where it can be like well almost over where it's like man like hear me i mean look at the seriously you guys don't notice it's it's that part of it yeah yeah, yeah. there was an interesting dynamic where you were actually there was a bit of a turnover in the band at, at certain stages so you were actually the the senior member yes um of the group although not always in terms of forceful demeanor yes um, that, that's very accurate yeah <laughs> i would say yeah yeah you kind completely. of co co-led co-managed the band with with an enneagram eight which uh certainly had some interesting dynamics to it yeah yeah that yeah it's uh you know just speaking on it very briefly is that um something that you know again wanting to uh kind of wanting to be that person that's really a cheerleader also what comes into play there too is is that uh supporting everybody else can kind of like take some of the light off of yourself which you mm -hmm. know we had just talked about um but also there is a level of where sometimes you know if i feel i'm being disrespected personally that where i feel like it can be that which it can um you know any of your listeners here that you know have been on it which it doesn't even need to be music but i've been any kind of team whether job whatever uh you're doing a project even if like our, our younger cats out there that are doing like you know high school college whatever that are on like a project and say there's somebody there that just is like i don't want to say bad apple but definitely definitely <laughs> definitely an apple out there could be could be the ripest apple it's yeah it's like this standout of making things like difficult potentially for everybody and it's and it's a perception also where uh where i see that and i see that like for me being that kind of being a six it can be a 
a challenging dynamic with with eights and ones. Um, yeah, we had both yeah, of those. In yeah, the and we had both of those. Um, just because when you when you're working, and the other thing too is, you know, with a six, you know, there is that part of like that. Oh, like this could be like expecting the worst. Like some of the weaknesses there can create a, you know. And this is something that, you know, it just with the, you know, we talked a lot of sixes, there's a lot of anxiety there and there comes and it's like you're battling with like, you know, those kind of things. But also like I can, you know, be a self, bit self-deprecating. So which also at the same time, I think makes me more humble yeah. than anything else, too, is because I'm able to be like, OK, like, I, you know, I'd be, a, you know, you're just going nuts on the guitar. And I'm like, this is like I get to I get to like be on stage. We, with you. you know, I realized yeah. we never I, I think we mentioned we were in a band, but. We never. What what instrument do you play? Uh, bass, bass, bassist. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But I, you know, but you know, really being on. And I, I would tell you guys this, and it was, and I know a lot of it would, you know, come off as kind of true. But I was genuinely like, I get to be on stage with these guys. Yeah. I was very well aware of what my strengths and weaknesses are. Like you mentioned, you know, being a part of a six. But part of that is like, uh, you know, I would say, you know, you know, I knew my strengths were. Um, performance, crowd engagement, and my weaknesses were, you know, were really more uh, technical skills. Um, and even the story of how you came to be, it's kind of the classic bass. It, it's not the first time that this has happened. It's kind of a classic bass player story where, right, the band is already formed. Yep. We got a drummer, we got a guitar player, we got a singer. We don't have a bass player. Oh, yeah. hey, friend, why don't you just learn how to play this four-string yeah, instrument? Yeah, Chris, you're okay with being in front of people. You <laughs> yeah. know, like you, you're kind of a ham. You can get out there. You don't and, play bass? Well, yeah, you can like, learn it in a couple months. Yeah, exactly, yeah. which sort of happened, which is weird. And then it was kind of went from there. So, yeah, from because I wasn't uh, trained in the classical way of a lot of musicians, I kind of was just, literally was in a band before I really knew how to play my instrument yeah. and just kind of like going along from there. It was like really over the top where I'm like, I just felt I'd see other music. Like we play with other music, like really talented musicians. Yeah. And it was, it was it's easy to be self-deprecating for anybody, no matter how confident you are when you're in that situation. Yeah. Now it brought so many great things out in me though. And it did help build my confidence in a lot of ways, but kind of just going back to that, that was something where it was, you know, really um, going into it like I did, uh, there would have, I wouldn't have gone into it any other way, simply because not just because I didn't play the instrument, but also because it's like, well, in that scenario, what's the worst that can happen? Well, we weren't, we were just, it was just forming. There was no gigs lined up, like, you know, anything like that. It was really just friends, you know, starting a band together. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah. All right, I'll figure it out. And doing that and growing with that made all the difference. I didn't feel like I didn't belong. I felt fortunate, always felt fortunate to be with the talent that I was with. But I knew, always knew like, okay, I know what I'm adding to the band. I know, I know being part of being a strong teammate. And this is part of that six too, is, is really bringing that, you know, what, this these people are counting on me to do my part and i'm at least going to do my part and then all of the other strengths that i possess you know from a leadership standpoint you know and again this is where the battles with the eights and ones come in yeah. is is that i feel 
this positive reinforcement leadership. And there is, you know, others where you'll see this, you know, where I struggle is like somebody who's maybe a bit more trying to lead by being aggressive or idealistic, yeah, which, yeah. you know, uh, which I just, you know, without saying, yeah, that, so they, that was, and, and really genuinely not, you know, I'm sure they're going to see, which is awesome. Cause it's, it's I just, hope to get them on as it, well, yeah. which is, is the absolute truth, but also, uh, you know, I still love them. Obviously it's not like we're not close. We are, it's, we're just different. We just see things from a different perspective. All right, so I yeah. got, I got one band question that I yeah. think I want to wrap it up with before we move on to the yes. next topic. And that is along the lines of what you've been talking about being the teammate and this dynamic with the eight. And I think, Again, there was a lot that went on with you and the eight behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest growths for him over, he's never, a, he was a little rough on the edges, but he was never a bad guy. Never, or, never. You know, manipulative. He was, nope. He's always a fair leader, but he was a little rough on the edges. But over time, I, I definitely think you got him to see, uh, change his communication method and how he delivered messages in a way that was more easily received by some of them. So I think you had a very positive impact on his interpersonal skills and his ability to relay messages. So my question is to you, and that's very obvious to me. Yes. But my question is to you, what do you think having this dynamic with the eight band leader, what positive things do you think about him maybe rubbed off on you a bit? Well, I think, you know, again, and we, we, and just from a, not just a leader standpoint as far as, uh, but, you know, from an ownership standpoint. So like, uh, not just, you know, kind of what's set up, you know, on paper, we're the owners, you know? So like, there's a lot more, like you mentioned the behind the scenes stuff, I think, and I appreciate you saying that. And, and him and I have had those talks, uh, and it, they've always been really fruitful in that. Um, when, when you have some things where you can really have like, where you have two people that are very different and like you have a six and eight, you can go at it, but there was never a level of disrespect, you know? So as much as, well, I mean, when I mean disrespect is, oh, I felt disrespected in certain circumstances. (laughs) I I ended up actually telling out a a, a story of uh, the the panty incident. So there may have been disrespect. Oh yeah, like moment disrespect. When I mean is like, as a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there was never a level where it's kind of guys messing oh, around. Oh yeah. Like, well, yeah. yeah. That was <laughs> that actually came up in a Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that was that was brutal everybody. Uh yeah, it, I'm like yeah, just kind of throwing up in my mouth a little bit just thinking about that moment. That was yeah. Uh but, you know, you know, at the same time, and this is something too, you know, where the, you know, Enneagram helps is like the, the eight is always going to be, you know, shouldn't say always, but what, what you find is they're maybe not thinking about like, how is this person going to feel? How, you know, it's like, I got to be on top of the mountain. And if I got to push a few people down, uh, you know, and, 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 and that's, and I'm not a weak person. I'm a strong willed person, but I'm also like, let's, let's all do this together as a team. Now, what, what I, the biggest thing that he did for me that helped me considerably as much. And again, we talked about it after, you know, after 
um, after the band went its separate ways and stuff and and really having some great communication there is is one, and you know this as well as I do, you know, a lot of people that would maybe say meet him and don't really know him, they'll be like, this guy's kind of a dick. He's a jerk. Um, well, which it's I th- in the name. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, there we go. But I think I think a lot His of- His last name is- Yeah. Yeah. Dick, yeah. So. And we, and, and I would flat out, you know, say that like right in front. It's, it's not like that's a secret, obviously. So, uh, and he would be like, oh, but he kind of was like, yeah, you know, I know. And I think maybe underneath it all, I kind of liked having that shield up because it was like, you know, maybe uh, a little bit. But what the, what I learned to understand with him is that underneath all of that, he's a big softy. Yeah. If you're seeing this here, you know, uh, uh. but it's, uh, he's just, uh, he's got a big heart. So that's that's the thing is what I learned and really kind of bringing it back to the Enneagram is we can see things, you know, whatever number we are in that Enneagram and see things very different. It can make your see your personality in a certain way, but the type of human being you are is it doesn't adjust that. So if, you know, getting to know somebody outside of your Enneagram is a big thing that I learned is really, really important. Um, and being in a band, now being in a band together really made a difference, not just with, with him. Cause him and I are close now. We, we absolutely would not have been if we weren't put into this band together. And that's the thing that's different. And you and I, the, the same way for different reasons is, is that, you know, we're like personalities are different. So we just see things different that way. Um, the way he rubbed off on me, I would say is this, like, like I brought maybe some, hey, let's communicate better. Let's do some of those things to him, like you said. Mm-hmm. What he did for me was you don't always need to be the cheerleader, quote unquote. You don't always yeah, need yeah. to be Mr. Nice Guy. Because, you know, and you would see it, and I know he saw it, is when I would be like really make a point on something or something I really wanted – it was like, whoa, because it's unexpected because my demeanor is usually like, you know, positive and yeah, really yeah. trying to be joyful. But so when I'm like not happy, it's like, oh, you know, so it, and it has more of an impact. And I think he kind of made me see like, hey, you, you can have an impact here when, you know, in in taking a little bit of that for me, like, hey, this is something because when when something is important to me, I do speak very plainly and, straight, yeah. and straightforward. It's not like I'm like, you know, beating around the bush normally, but it's it's almost like, hey, positive reinforcement. But yeah, getting that point across, uh, you know, a little bit more like, hey, this isn't going to be direct, fun here. But assertive. yeah, very, yeah, direct, yeah, yeah more of a, a direct approach. Um, yeah, I was going to say aggressive, but it's not that assertive, you know, like maybe assertive, uh, you know, ser- assertive on steroids, <laughs> more accurate, <laughs> but it uh, it's absolutely true. And it's something where, you know, I hope if uh, you get a chance to hopefully talk to him, yes. I hopefully, if you bring this up with him, hopefully he'll say, um, you know, what, because we did spend so much time together, um, is that he still takes some of those things like every day and like, you know, years and years and years from now, he'll go, yeah, I, I think about that and you're like, okay, this has helped me communicate. That would be like the best thing I could possibly hear I from think him. so, man. Yeah. He's a pretty legit awesome guy um so it helps it helps but i will say this there are things that you know i know i kind of got long-winded there with your question but there are things that 
I know that what I will take with me forever. Yeah. Um, especially when I'm in a spot where it's needed. Like yeah. it made me go, cause it, I got put because of him, I was put in a position where I'm like, all right, this isn't gonna work. And I realized, oh, wow. Yeah, it totally does. Um, and I have it within me to do that for sure. Okay. Yeah, so that, as you know, so that helps, but yeah. Nice. Absolutely. All right. Uh, awesome. Um, let's let's transition. I mentioned that being in a band is like a family. Uh, we were in a band for, God, was it five years, six years? I don't know. Five, yeah. It was a long time. Anyway, yeah. so up to this point, we've talked largely about the kind of uh, inter-band dynamics and the, the dynamics between the people. Mm -hmm. But um, one thing that we went through as, as a band family was that you lost your father mm -hmm. um, during the course of uh, us being in a band. Uh, so we all had very meaningful, you know, another person got pregnant and, you know, so there are a lot of very meaningful life experiences also that people went through during the band. Uh, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about, I lost my mom not too long ago either. And losing a parent is never easy. And I think everyone has their specific difficulties, obviously, to to deal with when that happens. I think that one thing that can be particularly though difficult for a six is that there is that core desire, right? For support and guidance. And mm. again, different people, some people have very challenging relationships with their parent or their, their father. But for you, your father was very much a role model, a mental, a, a mentor. <laughs> there we go. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I think very much so filled that source of support and guidance in your life, uh, the kind of person you could always talk to, right? Yeah. So um, whether you want to talk about him passing or you want to go to just what you've been doing since then, you know, mm -hmm. recognizing that you know, he's not there in, in the physical sense to talk to. So where have you been getting support or guidance or trusting yourself or kind of talk about that journey? Yeah. Um, no. So I, I you know, I, I kind of touch on that on where, you know, and like you mentioned, um, you know, it was very fortunate to, you know, and I know not everybody's as fortunate to have, uh, you know, great parents, great parent in their life. And for me, um, you know, I got the, I got the best dad, like yeah. you could ever ask for. Um, and he, you know, he, I, he, you know, he felt his number one purpose, sole purpose is, was, you know, really, and he would say is, you know, he, one, he wanted for me and my brothers, like, it was like, Hey, I want you guys to be happy no matter what you do. And it was always this instillment of like, work hard, you know, love life. Um, but also, um, he felt it was important, um, you know, very, um, you know, very just, he put God, you know, above everything else, just from, you know, you know, his Christian, you know, Catholic, and very strongly about it was his job on earth to do whatever he could to impact us getting to um, heaven. And there was a lot of my, I'll say, a lot of the weaknesses I had, you know, I'll kind of go from, a, from this perspective, a lot of when you have, at least for me, is when you have a, a parent, in my case, my you know, with my dad, that is 
literally feels like just he lives his life 110% for you, um, where there is, he was a complete, just a rock for me, my brothers, my mom, um, and other people, so yeah. many other people too. Um, and you get to spend a bit of time with him and, and just he, just the selflessness and the how thoughtful and just every, and, and just modesty too. So, you know, say how, how lucky I am, especially as I get, get older when you're young, you know, I always knew I just, I always knew like I got the best parents, I got an amazing dad. But as I got older, I really, really understood. And especially seeing that, uh, you know, some, some kids and, you know, adults, it's like, they don't have that. It just having that mentor and role model made me realize if, if I ever am fortunate enough to be a father, if I can be half the father, he was to, to us, I'd be ama amazing dad. It was, and it wasn't like some unrealistic expectation because, you know, when I would tell him just how he was just like, ah, stop, you know, it was just, uh, and also, but the, and again, it's not a weakness on his end. It was, a, but my weakness is I felt like as far as, you know, maybe some anxiety stuff and some of the things where it was like, when you have a rock like that, that's that solid where, and I'd have a bad day and it was just like, I just go to him. It was just like, just unleash. And it was just, it was, everything was like, he was this like supportive shield. There was never any judgment. So I went to him with everything, good, yeah. bad, indifferent. There was never any like, say something was wrong. It wasn't like, oh, this, oh, what are we going to do? It was always like, no matter what, no matter how much it felt like it was really just the end of the world. It's like, all right, well, you know what? We're going to, we're going to learn from that, right? We're not going to do that again. Right. Was, it was like a team thing. Like yeah. we're going to, we're going to move forward. We're going to get, it was, there was never panic in him. There was never, and it made me realize too, is like how much more I was like my, my mom and I, and I don't mean that a bad way. Cause you know, mom, you know, I'm sure you're going to hopefully see this at some point. Uh, it, I'm very fortunate. I love my mom to death, you know, just as much as I love my dad, but I realized like, you know, my, a, a lot of my mom, I could see, I could <laughs> see like, okay, certain things. And it was like, it was like, nope. Uh, and I understood why, like, you know, Enneagrams is like, you know, sometimes I'll, I would, I'm guessing a lot of the same Enneagram types, it's going to be maybe difficult uh, relationship wise uh, and challenging, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship or a parent, it's like, I can see where those headbutts can kind of come in because you really like are almost just ultra vulnerable in a way that they like take it into um, and vice versa. But getting back to my dad, I, yeah, I was, you know, he was, he was an absolute shield for me with everything. Um, yeah, but then also the good things too, like, he never, you know, he didn't, it was never overpraised things. It was always like, you know, when, when I did something and he would say that was like, he would say, even go, I really like, we'd be playing, playing something. He's like, I really like what you did there. It almost bring me to tears because he, it just, it wasn't his way to, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, just do over the top compliments or you're praise. The best, it was like, you're going to be a rock star. Yeah. yeah never. Yeah. It was never anything like that. Now, it, you know, difference, obviously, you know, my mom would be different in that sense that she, she'd give praise when she felt like I needed it. Mm -hmm. So in, in that scenario, it was like, 
kind of, you feel like that motherly, like, let me bring you up when you're done. But when dad was like, no, when, when something really hits, I'm gonna let you know and be like, that was real. And yeah. oh, it just hit different. It'd be like, almost bring me to tears when he'd say anything. Good. It was just, and those are the things, you know, and after, you know, I lost him, it was like, it, you know, those staying in the, staying and doing the music for me was one thing, but also it was like, they're some of the best memories I had, especially later in life was like, we'd be playing, you know, a certain venue. And I'd remember my dad sitting there and I'd see him smile and I'm like, that give me it'd go. It'd take me for the whole show yeah. at times. Um, just cause I could see like, you know, like that pride and it was just everything. Um, now as far as like, you know, and, and you got him, you got to know him a little bit. Um, but you know, obviously I think you could see kind of the impact he had on other people, not just our family, because he'd sit down with you and talk and he, he was always interested in, you know, other people and what they're about. He loved learning yeah. and he was incredibly intelligent. Um, and he loved picking up on those things and he loved just communicating with everybody. And it didn't matter who it was, he, you know, it could be, you know, status. He was able to communicate with literally somebody who, you know, had nothing to somebody who had everything and everything in between. And he just always, he loved to, to, to teach and to learn, um, and take everything in. And I think, you know, you got to experience a little bit, uh, you know, I think a lot of that considering it was such a short period of time. Um, and saying that it was impactful for me, um, you know, losing him in the sense that how many people have told me like how much, a certain moment of just having a conversation with them impacted their lives, stuff like that. It was just like, and not just, you know, at the, you know, you hear all those things kind of at the funeral and, you know, wake all those kind of things, but, you know, hearing it, you know, years after the fact and stuff. And it just, one, it just made me go, yeah, that was him. But it made me just feel really, really, you know, amazing. And, you know, I've, and um, I don't know if you know this or not, but we just, it was, would have, you know, I would have been as what, 70, he would have been 76 uh, on the second. 76. Yeah. Um, so 76. Uh, yeah, I think 76. So, right. um, and it was, uh, um, but where it's impacted me right now is like, I realize how much of a crutch in, in good ways and bad ways that he was to me is every single thing I'd pick up the phone and call him no matter what. Yeah. And not having that was like, for a long time was like my go-to, like call him or, you know, go over there. Cause you know, I'm old. So it was like, we didn't always have <laughs> cell phones. So it was like, you know, but I would just go over there like, and having that like inclination and then having it not be available. It's like this, a sinking feeling I can't really describe, but also um, him instilling this, like you can do anything you, you, Hey, you work hard, you set your mind to this. Uh, you know, my dad used to always say, uh, when, you know, not just when we'd be at our lowest points, but even at our highest points, he's, he'd, he would just say, you only get this one life on earth. So live it. Yeah. You know, and it was very much like that. So, uh, and it's, it's a really great, and I'll use that, you know, um, simply to not just tell myself, but tell other people that are like, Hey, you know, negative or complaining all oh, life. I'm like, you only get this one life. Like, do you, do you want to do that? Or do you want to move forward and, and do something else? And, and again, a lot of that's telling myself that. Um, and it helps me to this day with something that's challenging for a six is like risk taking and, and, and such. 
And when it's a calculated risk, um, you know, it, it should be something where it's always, uh, and it's something that you love and it's a calculated risk. It's for me, I realize that's something I should always do. I've never, um, and, and again, I give him a lot of credit, but he would say, no, you're the one taking the steps is, is taking those calculated risks. But I used to just, I'd reach out to him before, yeah, you know, and, and, and go, well, what do you think? And it was always like, well, let's look at, but it was always like, yeah, as a calculated risk, it wasn't anything bad. It was a good thing and go from there. So just to kind of like, you know, end with that is, is that even though I lost him and it's been so debilitating in a lot of ways, um, you know, because again, you have somebody, you know, we, you know, as a six two, kind of bringing it to the Enneagram, the, the loyalty part, um, he won, he just gave everything to, for, for me, just gave everything to us. He gave everything himself. Like when I think of like the kind of parent I want to be, I see that in him and that just a strong leader in the household, taking care of his family, not just financially, but emotionally. Yeah. And just really like, not, like nothing, we, we never felt afraid or worried ever. None of us did because we knew that he never let anything happen to us. And so when you see that kind of strength in the man and just just emotionally and who he was and as big as as much as he had like a deep he had a very deep voice uh which you know he kind of like and i have a deep i have a deeper voice too but he would have a real i mean just and he's you know before he got older and kind of shrunk a bit you know he's i think he's like six two like he was a guy that would i always called him like a teddy bear because he's a guy that maybe you know would make some people afraid but he was the kindest person um you know i won't take anything away from you know people that you know got some spankings in the belt. Um, we, it, he was such a genius in a way that I'm not saying he would, we, he never, he never hit us ever, not once. Uh, but the threat was there in the sense <laughs> that like he'd snapped his belt in front of us and, and I'm, a lot of, a lot of uh, people my age and older know that, but it was yeah, like, yeah, when we times were, you know, definitely change about the, the appropriateness of parenting techniques. And yeah. And it was very, it was very much like that. But at this, at, at the same time, it wasn't that threat when we were, you know, like maybe being bad. It was the, I would have rather been hit a thousand times other than what I'd get from him sometimes, which would be like, I didn't raise you like that. You know, mm. I'm disappointing you. That was like, when you respect somebody that much as a parent, yeah, it, it just, you learn so much. And that's where it's like, you know, people talk about like kind of regrets and things and as a six and I, you know, deal with like, oh, I wish I would have done this or done this. Uh, you know, and I know, you know, something he said to me too is, you know, you know, before he passed is like, uh, that he was hoping that I would get a chance just that, you know, he see like, just saw I'd be around, you know, saw how I was around kids or friends, kids. He's just, he just said, I hope you get a chance to be a dad because yeah. you just make such a great dad. And I hear that, you know, like from people like you, you, everybody. And I, and it's not like I need to hear that for like, oh yeah, it's something that I see. And it's, and like I said, a lot of it's just the way he raised me. But since then, the impact has simply been, he's always there, you yeah. know? And, and yeah, you know, I'm a Christian. I, you know, I'm, you know, I've gotten stronger in my faith and closer to God um, in recent months, especially. Um, but he's always there with the things that he said when when you when you implement that at a young age uh it's one of those things where you can go you know i'd hear him go when i'm being an idiot i could see him going 
you know, my dad didn't cuss at all, but he go, he would just, so he would say, you know, a lot of people would say, get your head out of your ass. And my dad would be like, get your head out of your butt. Like he would say that, like, come on, come yeah, on, Chris, yeah, get yeah. it together. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's, that was just his way. And I hear that in my head when yeah. I'm weak and it helps me uh, grow and be stronger. And that's where like, you know, certain things like just the Enneagram and how wonderful it is and the impact it's had on my life. Something I think about a lot is I wish he, like, I wish he could sit down with us. Like he'd be, he'd, be great here yeah because as much as i don't shut up uh it's uh you know he he would do it in a way that's like much more interesting he'd want it he'd be but he'd be interviewing you whether you wanted to or not oh, he'd yeah, be asking yeah, you yeah, questions yeah. and i think that's something that you know like ellie and my dad shared in common the short amount of time they got to to get to know each other is they shared a lot of commonality in that um the demeanor is you're kind of like i don't know and it, it just the genuine yeah, I'll too sure. I wish yeah. I, there were a lot of interesting conversations that probably could have happened. And deep, oh, he liked deep, you. He liked yeah. you a lot, and you guys were very. And I, well, I think you know whether you feel this way or not. One of the best compliments I ever gave you, I still feel it to this day, is there was a lot of similarities that you had with my dad. And the biggest thing is, is like you know, kind of nailing my dad down. It's tough because I, I see him like in strengths in literally every enneagram number. I know this is you know, but it is like you know, people say, oh, when somebody dies, you bump. Now it's just. And you know this before he died. I was he was my hero. He's everything. But uh, so I'd say he's like the best of all nine. Um, yeah, and he, yeah. it's not like he didn't have weaknesses. But man, you had to really dig for him. It was, but you know, lifetime work. But what I'll say is, is that if you had to narrow it down, you know, we'd talk about that him being a five. You know, in that in that he was very thought things through. Like really thought things through. Not from an like, oh, this is the worst case scenario. But like, I'm you know, I want to make sure. I yeah, this think, is. I yeah. think you're with heart. Yeah. 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 And it's, and, and just, yeah. And it's so that those are the differences there, but yeah, I think, I think the, the impact it had on me uh, more than anything is just, you know, really, really not just live life the way that I'm like, okay, I want to do these things, but really remember like those, those, those sayings and that kind of that strong parent and leadership from an early age, from, yes. from a baby and having that, and like I said, also having, you know, my, like where I see, you know, my mom too, uh, and seeing that like, okay, my mom keeps me on my toes a bit, you know, and, um, and someday, you know, unfortunately, like we all lose everybody. And those of us who've gone through some really traumatic loss, um, like we both have, is you realize like, you know, we all maybe react differently given on, the, given the situation, but knowing, uh, that we've gone through that, it does help prepare you um in in certain ways for um you know other losses obviously you know beyond my dad i lost my older brother too you know really within three months of each other as you know and that was in that relationship was very different um at the same time it was you know it's you just almost feel like it's like you're watching yourself like you know and, and again um those of us who've been through it um all know it but grow like the the strength that comes from it i think a lot of it is um you know whether it's good or bad um it's you know say you know say for my example i have mine you're going to have a different perspective and i and and uh you know i got to know your mom a bit more she's just wonderful just sweetest lady in the world um and uh you know and i think and i think about her often um but it's 
it's just different for everybody. Um, but again, you're like, for example, your mom reminds me of my mom in certain in a lot of ways, which you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I know you see that in my mom too. So it's it's one of those things where you go, when you miss somebody, it's different. And right now I'm like, I'm as much as, you know, things can be challenging because I, th- I think my mom and I are very much a lot alike is what the difference I, I now know that I wouldn't have had before is I value, even when say she's driving me nuts a little bit, I value that time uh, yeah. still. And I know that's something where, you know, again, I know, you know, after I lost my dad, I would, whether you wanted to hear it or not, I would say, yeah, it's like, yeah, see, things can be dipped, but like you never get minutes back, you know? Yeah. And that was something hopefully, you know, not, you know, not to throw anything, but hopefully you, hopefully uh, that was something you were able to kind of take and, and run with and go, yep, that makes sense. That helps when things can be challenging. Cause that's the one thing you'll never get that time back. So yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, thank you for your your heartfelt, candid honesty on that topic. And yeah. if if I may think that I got it, and to paraphrase um, or kind of summarize, you know, I asked sixes have this kind of support guidance thing. Your dad was that, you know, and the answer is not that you've necessarily gone searching for a replacement figure to talk to or event to. It's that his legacy and really probably more than anything, his role modeling mm-hmm. has always stuck with you and has been in your head and been in your voice and has been that voice that's kind of edging you to take a couple steps forward and get out there. And, you know, yes. you talked about a couple things. A, the, you'd be a good father, um, which everyone agrees upon, <laughs> you know, that was said, but also the idea of calculated calculated risk. So to, to go off of this topic and the idea of really stepping out in there and conquering your fears and, you know, living by the example that you got, um, I think there's two areas of life where you've really been exploring those themes and not holding yourself back in ways that maybe you had in the past. Um, so let's talk about... Well, do you want to talk about dating first or do you want to talk about entrepreneurship first or what feels like the best segue? Well, let's talk about like entrepreneurship first. Okay. Yeah. You talked about, yeah, you this is, and again, a very sixth thing, a calculated risk. Yes. Um, tell me about your job that you started out with while you were in the band and then how it got you to what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, you know, just, I've been fortunate enough in my career, not just, you know, as a musician, as I like to say, and that sounds like a, oh, just laying it on thick. No, it's, it's, I, you know, it's obviously genuine. Like, I really genuinely feel like, wow, I just, here's somebody didn't know how to play an instrument. I kind of just walked in to start the band. I I mean, sorry. I mean, uh, your, your, your day job job. Yeah. So no, no, I know it kind of, but what I'm saying is they, they tie together in the sense that I, at a very young age, I, walked into just ma- really before I was ready for it, uh, a management position, um, retail management position, I think it was 19. Like it was just, and I was just totally unprepared for it. Why'd um, you get the job if you were totally unprepared for well, it? Well, I think you know me well enough to know that I can be relatively charming and charismatic. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, you're, you're a great I'm people a gr- person. I'm a, and I just a natural salesperson. And, yeah. uh, and I really, as much as I may be self-deprecating, I I know one of my strengths is that I can really 
sell myself when I need to. And also, um, you know, I say that if uh, kind of you pass on me or passing on the cure for cancer kind of thing, it's like, you know, it's like, I really, <laughs> I yeah, I really, uh, yeah, it's, I didn't make that up. That came from somebody else, but I loved it. And I'm like, yeah, that's it is, is that was that mentality there of like, all right, like just be motivated, excited, um, you know, not, not BS in that way, but, but just be like, I'm not going to throw negative stuff out there, but I'm going to be genuine. Like, here's the, here's what you're getting from me. And you what, can connect it, with just about anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And what, and I didn't realize back then is like, it was just something that a natural ability I had. Um, and I learned as, you know, time went on, and Graham fits in that too a little bit is that uh, just a, a strength in reading people I didn't realize I had, which was very beneficial and a lot of other things too. But, um, but yeah, um, got into management at an early age, really struggled because I had no idea what I was doing. I was super unqualified. Um, and what happened was, is I ended up just getting better at it. <laughs> kind of like with the band is like super unqualified, not knowing how to play an instrument, learning basically how to play basic notes to, to in a band in a matter of months, being able to do like a show, like, wow, okay, that happened. I'm like, okay, if I can do this. And those are those things where it was like, okay, yeah, it was, it was, and it was like that with my career. Now, what I loved about it was I loved that leadership role. Um, not like, you know, and it's different. I, and maybe this relates to a six and maybe you can fill me in a bit more about this. But um, the way I managed is, uh, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my team. Um, and again, I think this is like this with, you know, thinking about it, I guess I haven't thought about it this way, but that leadership role in the band was a leadership kind of leadership role I had with my career in that um, I was far from perfect, but I made sure that whatever I had my team do that I would do, you know, get, get down in the dirt with them. It was, it was always that earned respect that was important. I think, you know, a lot of that's, you know, instilled with me, you know, with my, especially my dad, um, but my parents, but um, knowing like, Hey, we're a team, we're in this together. So that mindset of like positive reinforcement where I would see other managers, like, you know, from other stores, for example, like they would just be like, do this, do that. They would kind of do that. You know, there's a lot of fear. Um, it was almost like this, like, you know, like, what are you doing? And um, there's like a superiority complex. And, and, you know, for all my weaknesses, I just never had that. For me, I was like, how do we get the most out of this person so our team is stronger? Mm -hmm. um, and I'd utilize that, as you saw in the band too, it'd be like, it'd be like you're not, you know, we're maybe some people, uh, as we saw in the band, like, like doing this wrong or doing this wrong. It was all, for me, it was always like coming at it from a different angle of, and it just is always super successful. So feel free to use this advice if you'd like. It's worked for me always, um, is if somebody was doing something wrong, I would say, you know what, you're doing this and this. So, I mean, you're doing this great. If we can just get this to where this is. Yeah, yeah. And not just say it like this to where this is, but say, this is how we get there. And that plan, like that kind of, you know, that came, I knew that came from my dad because my dad would be like, mm -hmm. yep, not good, but let's, it was as much as I'm it's like. not, yeah. the burden isn't just on you to figure it out and fix yourself. Yeah. It's we're it, it's a team effort to get to the 
yes. the goal. And I'm going to be there with you and we're going to figure it out kind yep. of thing. And then also like incentivize. And, and I, you know, I, was, I would do stuff like contests and stuff where it'd be, and it wasn't like throwing money at them or doing stuff because really couldn't do that, you know, or in retail. Like, it's just like, how do you do it? And it's like, well, everybody, you know, it's like, you know, when I, you know, was, had a lot of success when I was a store manager at GameStop and hopefully some of my old, you know, co-store managers would, would agree and they you know to this day they'll you know still uh you know pump the ego a little bit and say like dude you killed it you're great it was just all like right, you know yeah. Right. it was a uh, yeah so but what i would do is just i would incentivize the team by saying you know which you know some these days probably be like a no-go no matter what but i would all i would rank them like one <laughs> to the bottom like on their numbers and be like yeah. And it was stuff that was like, you know, didn't have to do with the, but had to do with what they were doing. Yeah. Um, and without getting into details, it was like, it was stuff, it, they were ranked on things that were under their control completely. And it would be like, all right. And then whoever the winner was, one, I realized nobody wants to be on the bottom because even the, mo and even the most, you know, person that's maybe not the most competitive, which by the way, I always try to make sure I always had competitive people okay. on my team, right. but nobody wants to be on the bottom, you know, yeah. and too, I would be like, lunch on me for whoever wins, you know, uh -huh. I'd do stuff like that. And then I'd also tell them they could call one of the other stores and tell them that we, you know, kind of kick their ass kind of thing, you know, so it was like that kind of thing. But um, in, in kind of going through all that, what I realized is out of all the success, and I had a lot of successes, like it was just, you know, where that career changed is I was realizing like, okay, I'm, I'm bringing a lot you know, there's corporates. It was you know very. It was a corporate business, and so yeah. yeah. So it was, it was GameStop for a while, yep. and then by the time you were in the band, you were. Um, yep. So I yep I was working, uh, you know, working for uh, again a friend of mine, you know that one of my really good friends, uh, you know my roommate at the time, uh, you know is is winning some accolades and and just seeing just seeing from a sales lead standpoint. Um, like, like, dude, you could, why are you doing this? You're like, you could be making so much more, more money if you were like commission-based. And I'm not going to say I regret that, but it was in a, it was a change in my life where, and I, I think a lot of people run into this from time to time where instead of chasing something you love mm -hmm. or chasing something that makes you feel good, I was chasing money because it was like, yeah, I'm a great salesperson. I realized if I'm a 100% commission job, I'd do very well. And that was accurate. And I ended up, you know, uh, working, uh, you know, for a, a, a furniture store and I sold, you know, furniture and appliances. And I was just something I was very good at, but I have no passion for those things. And it was, uh, it was a little dis more disconnected from the, 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 the people yeah, and it, that. It was very much. And, I, and I realized pretty quick, like, you know, the thing that I knew that I loved and I was good at is my team, like, I really, I helped get, you know, people promoted um, that had, this was their first job with me. I'd hire, I hated hiring people, you know, people like, what are you doing there? Like, they don't, some of you guys don't have experience. I'm like, that's where your mistake is. You're hiring people with bad habits. I would hire people <laughs> that were motivated. I, well, I'd look for things like, Oh wow, they've got great grades, and they're you know like I'd hire kids with passion, like you know it's games, yeah. like I could see the passion, and I would ask questions like you know like tell me about your favorite gaming experience, like what was, and it would just I would 
and it, I didn't need to hear the story. What I wanted to see and hear was the passion and love for it. And I'm like, you, I knew they could pass that on to a customer. Mm. And those are things where it's like, I'd read things and it was like, I didn't care how much experience, I didn't care how, it was very much, you know, centrally focused on that. Um, and then also knowing like, you know, again, you know, having, you know, like an assistant manager, I knew like, okay, I have a sales, I'm sales focused. I have a sales focused team. That means I need an assistant manager who's super, you know, operations focused. So that everything doesn't fall apart around me. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah, had yeah. other store managers, like I said, as it was, it was great having other store managers where, um, and it was a bit contentious because, you know, again, you know, my personality, and I was very much like, you know, I'm number one. Like I was very much like you just, it was this competitive thing that was like built. So I didn't, I didn't put off the first impression, but uh, you know, some of the other store managers I met were, are some of the most wonderful people I've ever, you know, I've ever met. And a number of them are still close with today after all these years. Um, but what I will say is that having um, that support. For, I like, for I like that. I just want to kind of point out that yeah. that feels like a very, what you're describing feels like a very uh, three kind of six, right? Three's connected to six. So yeah. There's that idea, super competitive. We're gonna get ahead, but like we're all gonna win. Yeah. Like, I think that's what what a healthy three six looks like is we're competing, but in our competition we all win because we're like bringing out the best in each other, and there's not any moral or ethical or kind of cutting corner lapses that bring about the victory because the victory isn't necessarily for the personal accolades is, isn't necessarily the goal. So right. I feel like you're, without talking about it, you really talked about a very healthy balance between three and six there. So I just want to point that out. Well, thank you. No, and it's it's true. And where that career shifted uh, was simply, you know, I really topped out about as much as I was going to make for the position. And um, I, I did so well. I had an opportunity to to interview for, um, and I was young, early twenties at that maybe yeah, early twenties still at the time, where I you know incredibly young to to being uh, looked at for a district manager position and ended up interviewing for it and actually nailed it and uh, um, had a somewhat offer from our regional manager like hey you know what. Um, there's an opportunity potentially in like Pennsylvania and what I didn't realize what, <laughs> is, what, this, what I, is this the office? Yeah, right exactly. Now? I think that pretty much sums it up. But what I didn't realize with <laughs> getting with, promoted to regional well, manager, going was, to Pennsylvania, the salesman exactly. becomes the boss. I don't know. I was so go, 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 like, you know, and just getting this and, 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 and one, and the other thing too, is, you know, my dad was like, just like, you tell me it's probably like, so that just pushed me even more. And it was like, you know, in my entire life, this is from a career standpoint outside of right now was the most like just absolutely gung ho. And what I didn't think about was like, oh, like, yeah, I I'm interviewing for a, but we already have those positions here. Like no matter what I'm gonna have to move. I didn't, you know, I was so, so basically I, you know, committed a bit of career suicide when you uh, kind of like, you know, and, you know, unwritten, but kind of like, hey, if you want this, and it was kind of like, you know, I'd be, I would have been the youngest district manager in the entire company. Like mm -hmm. they just didn't, but they, they, they loved me that much. And it was, and then I said, no, which was like, I mean, that's career suicide. You don't say no to something like that, an opportunity like that, but realize like, oh, what am I doing? Like, yeah, uh, you know, I'm not going to leave my family, all these kind of things. And um, that was something that put me in a spot where I'm like, okay, now 
it made me it made it easier for me to jump into something different when I realized like I'm not gonna be looked at as the golden boy anymore because you know when you're in this kind of job that you want to keep going up and I did but didn't want to leave you know so in saying that so that I, was the main motivation you would have had to move yeah for that yeah. was it um everything else it was like you know you know my my career my life like I would say everything that had happened whether undeserved or not I never interviewed for a job and didn't get it and mo I think every single job I interviewed for I literally got it on the spot and uh, in some cases, like I, the reason I say didn't deserve it was totally not qualified. I asked for way more, you know, I would be like, I'm not sure how much I want this position. And it was at that point, I think this was only like, because I, you know, stayed, I was tenured pretty much everywhere I went. But I would ask for really more than I knew it starting than, you know, a lot of tenured people were. And I get it. <laughs> it was one yeah. of those things where, so there was a, a sense of like arrogance and maybe cockiness there that really built into some confidence too. So it wasn't all bad. Um, but at this point I kind of hit this where I, where a lot of people would say, Oh, you know, you should keep going. Who knows? But for me, it was just family. Mm -hmm. Family was first. And I remember my, you know, dad saying like, he wasn't displayed. He's like, you know, like, yeah, you know, take it. Like it was, he didn't want me to go anywhere. And my, you know, my mom's going to hear this from me. Like you said, he would, he said that like, <laughs> like we would leave, like my mom, like, 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 don't leave my dad. Was, he had, but he knew that he was wise enough to know that even though like where's his world, he knew like I needed to do, you know, kind of fly on my own. You know, it was like, mm -hmm. this is where you know, God's taken me. This is where life has taken me. And that is where I look back and go, that was a turning point. And there was some good, some bad, but the the bad was simply that I left that job and had a very long career for money, right now money. And it was right now money. Like it was a huge amount more money because I was 100% commission-based. But what I also realized is that it is, I went from being, you know, what felt like being a quarterback on the football team to being a, to being a golfer, you know, like, but also where, uh, my personality would help in certain ways, but also when you're in a competitive industry where it's a hundred percent money-based that dealing with some pretty, you know, dealt with some really nice people, but, uh, anybody out there that's worked in a hundred percent commission-based jobs will know that, um, you know, just like in some relationships, nice guys finish last. And yeah, this is that yeah. kind of thing where I was not willing to not, it wasn't just like step on my coworkers, but I was not willing to, you know, I'll, I'll upsell a customer, sell a customer. And it's like, all right, we, you know, but at the same time, I never. You weren't willing to dip into the unhealthy three, the the, the sleazy tactic manipulation never, kind of thing. Never. Uh, there is that. You know, people say I'm an empath and I'm, you know, I, don't, I would never say I'm an empath, but what I do think about, and it's like a forward thinking thing is like, and this is, you know, in, in every part of my life, and you know, this just in our friendship over the years. And I think this is something I, you know, and said it in so many words is that you value with me is that, um, I don't ever want to hurt anybody shape or form. So the, the thing that I've balanced being able to read people very well throughout my life is 
I have the ability to manipulate. Mm, yeah. yeah. As you, you know, as you know, like, oh yeah, you could probably see that. And it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> it's kind of like this ability you have where you go, uh, it scares me because I would, you'd, I would see that and go, I don't want that. So I, I would be in a position where I could have made a, even a lot more money, but I just couldn't live with myself. Yeah. And that was, that's something that some, a lot of people on commission-based jobs, it's like people say, oh, it brings out the worst in them. And I get where that's coming from because I worked with some people where they would like just manipulate people and lie to them and do all this. And, I, and it's just, just the way that what they were able to do was something like, I'm like, I could never, and then just be like able to separate that and be really what seemed to be, you know, great fathers and mothers, like great in their house. Yeah, and it was yeah. like, I can't separate that. I can't live my life one way here and then be a different person here. Yeah, that's a, it's I disingenuous, feel, you know? I feel very similarly. And to me, that seems very impossible. So I wonder how successful people are actually at separating that. But that's an interesting point. That would be an interesting thing if you could yeah. ever get somebody on that was like, you know, openly... You know, openly able to really admit to to the to that, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you would see that, and that's and the other thing is, it really how I was around a ton of eights and ones. I mean, con, I mean that's just the kind in of sales job. in sales. A lot of that. See, now I would, I would imagine, like I said, threes generally are in threes sales. too. Yep, tons and I'm of threes. struggling to see you. Ones would seem to me to be a type very. Now maybe they're not the type that would have those ethical lapses. Or, Correct. They they well they're so what yeah. how what is the what is the one what is the one way of sales because I would yep. see them as being very well obviously caring about being morals and pure so I would see them as being a type also who would be very resistant to playing the game so to speak. Yep. So I had two ones that I worked with and both of them just found that their idea of what somebody else should have was the right, like what they should get was the okay. right way to go, and oh, yeah, that whether very... they whether they talked themselves into it or not, they both were very, like they like, it was like they had been telling themselves this lie for so long that they made themselves believe this idealistic point of view that, you know, well this is what you absolutely have to have and you need to do this and it was like, and it was like, and I could kind of and it's and it it's strange because just seeing people a certain way and then doing, you know, with the Enneagram, how it's one of the many reasons it's so beneficial and helpful is people you would just see a certain way and you'd go, this person's not like, what are they like? They're out of their mind. And, and you would go, I, I understand a bit more. So even people that like, for me, I couldn't stand either one of them. I mean, I found them to be completely insufferable and disingenuous, like to me, disingenuous. Okay. So but they made themselves believe it. So it was like, it actually was genuine. It was like a believing a lie kind of thing, but really believing like, like this the, is what you need. The, you need it. If you need to finance this into your death. You're going to be so happy. Oh, like, that's interesting. Yeah. It's just, like, so it very much and was maybe like that. Playing that like guilt card, like do you really want to be a bad mother or a bad yeah. father and not get the most exp like what is that saying about how you value yeah, like is that exactly kind of oh yeah. it was it was very much like you know you you'd hear both of them and they both would have a lot of the same sales technique and and they're both they're both successful because they 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 did it in a way of almost like a almost like a kind of like a guilt kind of a guilt like yeah. you know oh i see this is your budget one but 
this is going to last you a few years. I'm not telling you not to get it, but oh, this is like, okay. just, just say this is like for your, I mean, you got a you got family here. Like you want to be able to have something that's going to give you longevity here. And like, it would just oh be that God. kind that's of thing. That's fascinating. All right. At yeah. some point I'm going to have to have you back just for a specific yeah, no, like, so I'll jump, psychology so, of sales. So jumping from that, going for, just from that to that is, it was something I spent most of my career doing. I was there I think almost 15 years. And it was just like, that was equivalent, more than equivalent to every other job I had combined, easy, and then some. Um, and it was is really like, I think a lot of people can relate to this is you get comfortable. Like you get comfortable, you make enough money. And what it was debilitating to me just mentally so much because I didn't have to really, I had no motivation to work really hard because it was like, I'm never, the only way that I'm going to make more money at this point is like, if I put in a ton more hours and I, I really just, I didn't like it. I mean, like yeah. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like enjoy the environment, all those kind of things. But one, what got me into my career now as an entrepreneur was simply, again, for a six, this is really tough. And part of the reason I, I know I stuck with that job for so long is because it was like, this is stable. Like, yeah. I, and I was good enough at my job where I didn't really have to work hard and I wasn't going to lose it. And it was just, it was some, but it, man, it built, it built this stagnant. Now let's, let's define. Yes. Entrepreneur is a very vast field. I'm yes. an entrepreneur. Yes. You're an entrepreneur. That like, looks very different. Yes. So you left this job of being uh, a salesman in yeah. the, the home furniture industry. Yep. Mon monetary business. Yeah. Yep. Monetarily. Yep. And, and uh, what are you doing successful. now? What is entrepreneurship in your... So what uh, what my true passion has always been is like, I'm kind of like, a, uh, you know, just as some friends would say, kind of an undercover nerd, or maybe now as I get older, I let my geek flag fly yeah. a little bit more. Um, but, you know, when I was a kid, you know, something my mom and I shared in common is we'd go to garage sales and rummage sales. And um, I really had a love for like, not just like antiquing, but, um, I, you know, I was really into comic books and, you know, at the time, sports cards, other things. And I just, I would see the, just see value in, uh, in the grind and like, you know, kind of organizing it, putting it together. Just it, like, I absolutely had a love for, um, you know, going to those kind of, going and to maybe also the stuff. research element all, of, all of it, that grind up, part of oh, it. Oh, how much is this card worth? Yeah. And, all that kind of stuff. yeah. and it was also a way of like, even when I was a kid, it was like, I would, if I'm going to, if I'm going to buy like, I'm going to buy this. It was like a justification kind of thing too. I was always like finance, like from a, and from a finance standpoint, I would, I'd investments always been important to me. And it's weird. I never got that from my parents. And I find that in a six, it was weird. I, you know, kind of like, I'm like, why am I like this? My parents never were like, okay, well, cause I would collect, buy a comic book. And it was like, oh, if it was when I was a kid, five bucks, that was a lot of money. I'm like, this has got to be at least a $15. Like I would always like justify the buying it. Cause if I ever wanted to sell it, I'd make more money than when I bought it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, and it was like, that was not how my parents were um, at all. Like, and, and I never had that kind of like part thrown at me, but I realized being a six, it's like a lot of it is these, like, you know, you look at the worst case scenarios. So it's like, Oh, if something were to happen, it's like, okay. You know, even as a young person where it's like, okay, well, if you're, well, any grandma change when you're a kid, and I'm like, no, and you would say, no, it's it's it really stays the same. And I get it because it was just different because I was interested in different things. But that part of like looking at like what's the worst case scenario kind of thing, it kind of followed me through life. But 
um, what ended up happening is, is, you know, as I got older and I got more money, um, especially in, 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 um, you know, in that longer tenured career is like, I was, you know, being, you know, being single, like being unmarried and, you know, no kids is like, I had, you know, didn't have a lot of expenses and I was like, yeah. have my own house already, car, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, so I dipped into it, you know, really part-time reselling, um, and it was, you know, really just dabbling in it with, uh, comic books and was like having a lot of, you know, success. I was like, wow, this is, you know, I'm, you know, I've just been, I had a passion for it my whole life and the, just really the analytical part and really understanding value and, you know, like a lot of collectibles condition. I was really realized I was far ahead of the game. In fact, from a lot of other dealers, but also because I had bought so much, um, I really understood kind of the game of like online sales and all that kind of stuff. So what ended up happening is, is, uh, again, the part of that six sets there is I was, um, is a year is I made the plan. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to leave this job that I absolutely is just, it's, it, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where it's just a black hole and it's yeah. like, this is just, and I, I known it for a long time. This is not what I'm supposed to do. And it just was like, all right, I'm going to prepare myself financially. So I prepared myself a year where I saved up enough for a year financially to be like, no matter what I'm covered for this year to build, you know, basically build that capital too. If I, needed to make a large purchase and that kind of thing. So, uh, and then also worked this other job part-time and you were around for that to see that. And I had, you know, and really my last year at my full-time position is I made more money and enjoy, I mean, just immense. I actually had like my passion come out again where I really enjoyed it uh, in in about half the amount of time I made just as much. It was like, it was, and it was like, it was an easy. Cause was, you knew the finality. I knew there. the finality. And, and not only that, that preparation, and just like, you know, you saw me with the bands, like the more prepared I was, the more comfortable. It was the same thing. It was like, oh, I got this. Like, I yeah. can do this. And yeah, there's, you know, like you understand it's very different, but starting your own business, like you don't know things until it happens. And you're yeah. like, yeah, there's there's hiccups along the way. And there's some really big challenges. You it And they're not just financial ones, but, oh, I didn't know I needed to do that or certain things. And it's like, you know, like, you know, uh, POP, point of purchase stuff. Like, you know, it's like, well, I had an online present now. It's got to be more serious, and you really have to do a Getting lot of a logo. Oh, 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 and, so yeah, many. Yeah, yeah. It's like so many things. Certain things where you and you you spend money to get logo work done, and it's like that just doesn't fit. And it's like you're you know, it's like man, you're, but you're investing in the business, but realizing, hey, you know, not everything is is you know is working the way you think. But um, now that it's been what about nine months now, um, it's really. It, it, a lot of those things, trial and error, um, have kind of gone through. And having that capital set up um, ahead of time in that preparation has really put me in a position where I'm. I feel good because yeah, so it's helped the, a lot. That that is probably there's a couple of things about yeah the business and the entrepreneurship that I think are enneagram related. And one of that is you know you seeking into the best part of like the six prepper. Um, and really having a plan so you would not freak out because, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a bit more of a heart type. And when I decided that medical school wasn't for me, you know, I left. Yeah. And uh, I didn't quite prep it in the way you did. So, I mean, we all, you know, but with big life changes, there's struggles either way. Yeah. And you can struggle, you know, when your heart is in something or you can get your heart out of something you're not in and then struggle to pick up some of the, the, logical ramifications that you didn't think of. So there's a struggle either way. But anyway, you uh you definitely had that foresight. So I have a couple of questions about yeah. this business because it kind of intrigues me. Yes. Um 
what what is meaningful about this that you're doing now? Why, on a deeper level, why what does it fulfill for you? Um, one is it, it it tailors to my strength and strengths and a part of um, I still get to be that salesperson. Like I still get to work deals. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it, that's yeah. similar, but what, what makes it different or reward? Oh, the biggest difference is that I'm doing something that I'm one, I'm buying and selling stuff that I absolutely love. Like I enjoy it. Yes. I enjoy, uh, you know, cause it's, you know, it's not just comic books, it's toys, it's video games. And the, there are, um, the, they are things I love and I can just like when I was, you know, again, had a lot of success just managing a GameStop, but that was a little bit different from a corporate level. Now it's something where it's a hundred percent on me, which again, that part of me, that the part where it's like, Oh, that is scary. But it also makes pushes me in a way harder because it's like, I, you know, I can't, I can't fail. I got to do this. Yeah. And, and, but what the difference is and what really adds an impact is it's something that matters. Like it really matters. Like I'm, I have a career where it's something I know I'll look back at no matter what happens and go, that I enjoy that. I mean, it's something where I, the last, even though it was 15 years, I, every year I was there, I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm be here because it's here right now. It was never like, I saw this as something I can do for the rest of my life. This is something where I, I go, I could do this forever. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I love it. The people I deal with, it's, it's very, very different kind of people, like that energy and, and happiness that people get out of it. Even when it's like, I'm dealing with like connecting say, people oh, with yeah. things that are meaningful to and them. It, and I can speak on it in a way that I'm passionate about. So bring it makes me a better salesperson and it brings out the best in me. And when and people can see that, even if it's like I'm talking, you know, speaking through somebody online, I prefer face to face interactions. But in this kind of business, uh, it's just not that a lot of the time. Do you also feel like I want to talk about the ethics mm-hmm. of this? Um, something I'm curious about. Uh, again, with losing my mom and having to go through all his, her, her possessions, you know, I think inevitably people encounter things they don't, you know, it's someone else's items. You mm-hmm. don't know anything about them. And, and there's been jewelry or stuff that I've been going through where it's like, I don't know if I have something that's worth a hundred dollars or 10,000, you know? Yeah. And when you're so overwhelmed going through, you know, possessions that you don't know the value of, I'm not able to do my normal thing, which is to research them just because there's so much. So much, it's overwhelming. So you have to take it to an expert. Yes. And you have to get it appraised. And you really have to trust that this person is fairly an act because I don't know anything. And if they tell me that my $100 thing is worth, you know, or my $10,000 thing is worth a hundred, um, I might sell it to him for a hundred because I just got to move on. So how, and is that, how is this, this field of selling comics and thing? Do you see similar, you talk to the sales um, job where there are some people not doing it necessary ethically. Yes. How has your experience been in, in this business with that? And I assume you are. Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, and is maybe that also where you find some meaning huge, in this job. Huge, huge thing. I, you know, and I, just me being myself, I realized, yeah, the short term, you know, I mentioned like, oh, I can make a lot more money, but it's in the short term. What I realized, you know, even through my last, you know, career is that because I was transparent and open and honest, 
even if maybe they didn't buy something from me that day because I was very, very much transparent about the, they would come back and see me. And I'd have customers that would see me for like 10, 11, 12 years where it's like, I was part, like, you know, their kid's a toddler. They took a picture on like a chair there. And all of a sudden they're like a teenager, which just made me feel freaking old. Yeah. But it happened, it made me, it made me feel good. Like, you know, and you know, like I would have, you know, customers of mine go to like our shows. Like that's how much yes. of a uh, connection I would, and, and build with them. And because it's 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 coming from that place, so that was a great question. Because in going into, and this is why I just have no doubt that I'll be successful. Because um, I don't lose out on many deals, and the reason is is that um, in the collectibles industry specifically, um, I can speak on. Um, it is, I would say, a lot of comics, and I'm sure it's like this with a lot of different things, is there are a lot of lazy dealers. And what I mean by that is they, you know, they'll pay, you know, pay up for a handful of items. They know they can flip right away and the rest of it's like, all right, well, this is going to take work. So basically this is going to be thrown into that price. So it's like, so I'd always realized I pay, was paying more and I'm like, and I, and I know my stuff, I know I'm not paying too much. And I realized here's what's happening is that they just don't want to do the work on that end of it. Um, so that passion isn't there. And I realized in doing this is that there is some really scummy people and they get busted out right away because it, again, like kind of like the, you know, kind of like bands. It's like, we would hear like you, you know, one, one person, way or another, it, someone finds out one that way, yep, this then, guy ripped me off or yep, something and, and he, it gets around, he and, it gets around. Me. Yeah. and people find out and it's just like, it just happens. And because those people are going to see what you're saw, like for me, I'm very transparent on that stuff. Um, you know, and again, and, and especially when it comes to some higher end items, as you know, I've, you know, we've talked, I've made some purchases like, like many thousands of dollars for a single piece. And there is, you know, high risk in there in some cases, if they're unique pieces or more one of a kind items. And those are something where you need, you know, you need to cover yourself on, but I'm very transparent on that. In other cases, it's stuff where it's like, if I know I can move it right away, um, and, and I know that, hey, this is going to be an easy sale for me. I'm going to pay up for it because, one, I don't want to lose it to somebody else. Um, and two, it's like they're going to know this person's telling me what they're paying and why they're paying it. Yeah. And I've realized like that. And that's gotten me deals because they that person, you know, people go, who cares? You already got everything they had. And I'm like, well, one, no, because they know people that like when they sell, I dealt with, you know, I dealt with Chris. He was great. He took care of me. And you get that passed on. So even already in a very short period of time, I'm getting business from other people um, because of that trust. And so I'd much rather do it that way. And I got a collection that was unreal uh, to be able to purchase. And they didn't see anybody else. I had the opportunity to purchase it, original owner collection. It was kind of ones where a lot of dealers in this state, probably in the Midwest, won't you know, they go two, three years without seeing something like this that are have your own storefront doing that. And it's because of that. I didn't have to have all of those things set up. I, it was, I took care of somebody and this person's brother, brother-in-law was like, okay, I'm ready. To, and it was just automatically go to me. And that was it. Nice. And that's how you do it. And there are some people like out there like that. Um, and you'll find that it's more of a slow burn, but in the end, I realize over time, I'm just, it's going to be, get better and better and better and better. And the tra trajectory is there. So, yeah. Okay, Chris. So, I mean, God, 
I mean, I hope, I think everyone's falling in love with you at this point. You just, you seem like just a good old fashioned upstanding citizen. Tell me more. You know, traditional. (laughs) Oh my God. Let me hear it. Let me hear some more. Keep it coming. Yes. Well, What's your dating profile? Do you have a, what's your dating life oh, like? Man. I think there's a lot of you mentioned wanting to have kids. I think there's a lot of uh, ladies right now who are interested where they can find you on match.com. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, I don't have anything like that uh, set up. Um, yeah. Uh, I, right, it's not right. no, it's non-existent. No, I I have it's non-existent. I and believe me, not by not by uh, choice, but also it's not like I'm, you know, being in down doors like looking um and really i you're should still, be because that is important you're still figuring out your or there's still a lot as we discuss things you don't even know you need to know until you start on the entrepreneur and that's taking up a lot of time yeah at the same time um you know again i'm a firm believer in you make time for things that are important and um you know having someone in my life is you know if I'm, you know, met an incredible, you know, just a special lady that, uh, is, it's a priority. And, um, that is personal as much as, uh, I'm loving the entrepreneurship and, and, and success in, in that regard. Um, you know, per, you know, really relationships are the most important thing. So, and there's always going to be work and all those other things. And, you know, again, I learned that growing up too from, you know, just seeing my dad is my dad worked like 60 hours a week and it, we never felt like he wasn't, he was always present. You just make time for it. So, um, no, and saying that, you know, I know, um, there is, you know, a big part that's been a struggle for me is, you know, when, you know, if you, when you see, I kind of analyze this again, kind of a, Sixth thing. Yeah, I have, yeah, sorry, go for it. But uh, no. yeah, there's definitely a very, I have a very strong Indian gram agenda that I want to cover by asking you this question. So. Which I, which makes sense. Uh, you know, analyzing, um, you know, relationships so much, you know, again, growing up and seeing my mom and dad's, uh, seeing a really successful one, um, I would say somewhat blinded me early on if there's one thing i wasn't prepared for it was um and again really understanding the enneagram now helps me look back at thing different things when i was younger especially like why did this affect me so much and it was it was really like there's so much i didn't realize how much i valued you know loyalty uh, more than anything else and i you know, and it and it wasn't like I've been through like, oh my gosh, this person was awful. I mean, awful to me, awful to me. In fact, um, you know, I would say a lot of my relationships, just because, um, you know, I'm, my communication, I, I would say, is a strength in the sense that, uh, you know, I never cheated. I didn't. Uh, I did not communicate specific things. It was always, it was always amicable in the sense that there are very few women that I dated in my life that would say he was a jerk. Like, they're just maybe some when I was younger, especially. He has commitment issues or something like that. Yeah, it was well, like, okay, you yeah. know, but um, believe me, I'm far from perfect. Never, uh, you know, claim to be. But at the same time, I also know, like, um, when someone, because I'm very good at reading people, it's like, I know when somebody isn't right for me. Um, that is, and I'm, I, I do not want to 
if my heart's like like you've never cheated i'm like for me the reason is is that if i was ever interested in somebody else mm-hmm. i would just end the relationship i was in i couldn't do both at the same time like and even so and, and maybe this is part of the six too is i couldn't I just couldn't li- be in a relate like with that kind of like, and again, and I judge no one. Certain everybody's circumstances are different, but for me, it, even the thought of that, like wanting to be with somebody else, or I'm with somebody, it like eats like eats at me. Like even the thought of it, so it's just not going to go. And I, I believe me, I've been interested in somebody else. I was in a relationship, ended it, and that person didn't want me. And I'm like, and I think that's a, maybe a lot of people's fears. And believe me, it sucks. I've been there. But the alternative just is so like, I can't do it. Yeah. So I think that, because we had some long conversations about relationships while you were in the band and whatnot. And and that was kind of the point, you touched on it a bit that I wanted to bring up um, as far as I understand your view on relationships and your dating life is, as you discussed, there's that very, there's a very strong truthfulness and honesty ethic. And- where I think you could almost understand it as your seven wing coming into the picture, which is then also connected to one, is you're almost scared by your seven mm-hmm. that you mentioned commitment issues and that you're like, I know if I get attracted to someone else, I'm not going to cheat. But then it's like, what do I do if I have these other feelings? And does that mean I need to end the relationship? And that's where you can maybe get in your head and start doubting yourself. And that's where... I'm going to have ethical, honest relationships, but it's difficult to have a long-term commitment because I struggle to make sense maybe of some of those conflicting desires or um, troubling thoughts that might arise. Oh, a- absolutely. And and just having you bring this up as a topic to discussion, I feel like may be able to help some viewers, especially some sixes out there, but also just, you know, people in general. Um, I know for me is, and at least as a six, there is that, like I mentioned, the anxiety is, is there is this, uh, you know, is something, you know, and I don't know if this is related to six too, but as you know, I'm, um, I'm really an all in or all out person. I really, you know, I don't do this whole like you got to play the game. You guys, this is why the whole online dating thing just for me yeah, just yeah. doesn't work. There's like this game of like, oh, you got to, and I'm like, and being able to kind of read people a bit, I'll kind of know right away too, like somebody's awesome. And because I communicate so well and a little transparent, sometimes uh, I think you can come off a bit strong. Like you're awesome. I'm like, you know, like kind of just be like, I'll notice these things. But like you know, I'm like, I see these things, and it's like, oh, well. And, uh, you know, and those of you like know me really well, you're like, well, somebody that's like going to be right for you is going to appreciate the fact that you, you know, see these things in them that are true and, uh, you're not beating around the bush and playing some games, playing this whole, like, I'm going to be, you know, like too cool for school and do that, which by the way, I've never been, but I try to pretend I've been, but, you know, um, but when you're like, uh, I'm sure anybody can kind of attest to i would i would think is when you are really into that other person um it can and they're not into you in the same way um it can be absolutely debilitating and growing and growing up like like i said i saw a great relationship with great communication and i was totally unprepared 
to really fall for somebody. And we've all been through heartbreak. So it's like, oh, yeah, boo. Like, yeah, we've all. But I just hadn't seen it. And that is maybe there are some downfalls, I would say, to having like, oh, you see this like great relationship in front of you. I was unprepared for the heartbreak of having someone betray me um, and feel uh, lied to and being what I didn't even understand the word until later was what like gaslighting was and somebody taking, you know, really taking advantage of the fact that I wanted to uh, just communicate every, like taking, taking, manipulating me in the sense that like, yeah, I can, I'm like, your Jedi mind tricks don't work on me. The difference is when I'm in a relationship, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that it has, if I'm all in, that means I, I trust, I'm vulnerable. And that it's, and I used to think, oh, I'm, that makes me weak. No, I mean, it, here's the thing it makes me, I realize as I get older, it makes me strong to be able to do that. And some people will take advantage of that, of what you're bringing them and will, you know, like, you know, that's where I would say speaking to some guys out there is a lot of, you know, a lot of guys are labeled as, you know, the narcissists or the gaslighters. And, um, and it, it really does go both ways. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I would say it sounds like, you know, maybe to a perspective like, oh, I'm complaining. And that's why I like, no, it's, it's something where, and we've, we've talked about it is that when you go all in on anything, um, and that hurt can really sit with you. Um, and it's a matter of getting back up and, and doing it again, which it's not just getting hurt. In fact, uh, when somebody just isn't, and I've had an, and I've had a number of women that I've dated and, and were girlfriends that were like, yeah, I could go that next phase. But again, when I know it's not right, it's not right. And I, I would say that it hurts a lot more when I hurt somebody else. And I know I've really hurt somebody else. The only thing I'm, I know like that's good about it is I did it from a place of why am I going to drag this along when mm-hmm. I'm not in it a hundred times? You know, it was like, it, it was really that. And um, I think pretty much most of those, you know, women would say at the time they were just really hurt and upset. And later on they were thankful. And I think, uh, I think every, most uh, ones I know of, most of them are all like married with kids. It makes me kind of go, one, I'm really happy because yeah. they were, they were You're really like, uh, wonderful. Was, I forget. I don't know if it was Bradley Cooper, but there's that movie like next man up or something where he can never get married, but whoever he dates that the next person after that always ends up finding love or something. It's, you know, it's true. Cause it, you, I'd like to propose a toast to Charlie for being my lucky charm. Women call him. You're that Charlie. Charlie. Good luck, Chuck. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're a lucky charm. You have sex with someone and then they find their true love. Isn't that how it works? Has everybody lost their minds? That's ridiculous. I guess you are a lucky charm. Even if you're not right, you like restore the faith that there can be a good, honest man in the world, maybe for people who haven't had any uh, interaction with that. Yeah. And and what it comes down to is this, uh, you know, if... uh, if there are any possible connections out there, no. Um, Cruzness is like, here's some, you know, borderline. Yeah, this no. is this video is going to be seen by all of my 19 followers. Exactly. So it no, has yeah, a huge reach. So. You know, it only takes one right now. <laughs> um, no, I would say simply that uh, just having the biggest things 
for me, and this may be a bit cliche, maybe it's not. Maybe this is something that um, is somebody that's, you know, it's where my dad, would, you know, when I was younger, I would yeah. go, you go, because, you know, as guys, and I speak for a lot of us, maybe not you, but as guys when we were younger, uh, we're idiots and we, we go, oh, beauty is means awesome girl no 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 most not really most of the time no i was uh so but as i get older i realized my dad would you know vice he gave me i was in it's weird because a lot of the time i would especially when it came to women i'd be like i should have listened because obviously he made that work forever uh is he would give me advice and i'd be like this is dumb he'd be like beauty fades you know he always told yeah. me beauty fades and he said the most important thing is you ha- can have in a relationship is having somebody you know that you can count on for not just for the good days but the bad days that are always there and as much as him and my mom were different they worked they they their uh values were lined up the same you know and i could see that i could see that my mom's energetic over the top personality would you know really you know bring some of that out in my dad and when he needed it the most um and vice versa my dad's calming incredibly calming demeanor would help my mom you know relax and and just the way it did with me just relax and calm down it was just like all those kind of things um but realized that the things that really matter is is really what my you know my dad was right he said um just having somebody that's there and i can speak on it from from an enneagram standpoint for a six is like that loyalty is is huge and it's you know um you know i'm i'm want to really want to get a dog here that's kind of like my next big step and uh and uh you know kind of told you and everybody else is like you know i'm really have my heart set on a golden retriever and everybody's like that makes sense like uh, of course you're gonna get one <laughs> no, literally i can just smile and my oh, last hey. podcast that we did was about what vibe does each type have and I said that one of the vibes of six, they feel like a dog. Like it's that loyal, yeah. friendly, just super excited to yeah. see you. Uh, so I'm not surprised. Chris. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> and I like, yeah, that's, you know, and uh, some of our bandmates is like, yep, that's exactly what Man's I would have guessed. Yeah. I mean, that's what dogs sometimes are. And that's kind of what sixes sometimes are. <laughs> we, you know, and I feel like that's across the board. It can be. And for me, it's, it's, uh, it's really, it's really, having that somebody that's just loyal and a pre like appreciates. I know it sounds like really simple, but it is, yeah. it's like having All somebody right. that appreciates you. And, that, and so that is, so when I say that six part of it for that, it's that. Now, I, now you have said everything I wanted you to say no, yeah. um, but to, to be able to wrap up relationship, cause yeah. there's a couple points and even just, this was the perfect, ending point because you said loyal and appreciates yes so you said the big six word yeah loyal and then you said the two big buzzword which is appreciates and yeah. i think you talked enough about a relationship that that i hope people can see is that we've been talking a lot about you through the lens of six mm-hmm. and maybe that's where early on you know even in the context of a relationship maybe six wing seven there's that there's that doubt and there's that want to have a relationship ethically but there's kind of that afraid of fear of hurting someone or being hurt yes. where you just kind of stay in a uh a shallow maybe not super long-term relationship because there's that desire for love but there's also a lot of fear and that six component and that self-doubt or maybe i'm not good enough to be the kind of man or father i want to be all nailed that it yep exactly is playing into the picture but then i think one thing that happened 
probably as a consequence of a lot of things. I don't want to give all this to the Enneagram, you know, maybe knowing about the Enneagram, maybe again, losing your father and then really kicking into gear with like, I got to be the man that I'm supposed to be in all areas of life. You know, I definitely saw you in later years in the band, really putting yourself out there in relationship. And where I would say early on, there was always that two kind of heart component in you, but the six was so afraid that that two component of wanting a more long-term, maybe committed relationship was never able to really vocalize itself because there was so much head energy going on. Yeah, that's true. That too, I think, came out in later years. And I think we got to see a bit of it here in how you just described your outlook and your approach to relationships. And the one kind of point that I wanted to wrap up there in regards to relationships is that I think this is how the Enneagram works, right? We start with a home base, we start with a number, and then you learn about your fixations, and then you other types start showing up in your experience, and you yeah. almost have to do the same thing, right? Yeah. Because it's great, you got over fear, and now you're you're owning your heart desires, but then, you know, maybe you're a little quick to fall in love, yeah. or, you know, you have, then you have to go through all the two lessons yeah. about worthiness and not being appreciated and all that, and... That kind of starts sounding like tri-types, right? We could say that you have a six head and a two heart. Yeah. But, and then I think people would generally want to go to, well, what's my gut type? I got to figure out my gut type now. Am I a one gut type? Am I a nine? But I think it's more important to not identify so strongly that, oh, I'm a six, two, one, or I'm, and then try to figure it out. It's just a natural progression of learning your type, learning your home base, learning the the strengths and the weaknesses, learning the places where fear is holding you back. And then yeah. you have to go into and explore other types and, and other yes. means of expression, but you don't have to get hyper, what's the word I'm looking for? Hyper concerned about figuring out, well, what other types am I? And, and yeah. labeling yourself. Yeah. It's, it's important once you understand the Enneagram to see how multiple types play out in you within your home base. But I just want to, I see a lot of people getting very tightly trying to figure out what, but that's not the point. You're, right. you're trying to figure out who you are, what are your values, how to express that in life, not to figure out your three, four tiered number system that perfectly describes you, at least for this moment, until yeah. you get over some other fears and then have to deal with other types and whatnot. So thank you for candidly sharing your relationship. Yeah. No, um, you, you nailed it right on the head when you, when you, for me, it's, and I think for anybody out there that's kind of curious about the uh, Enneagram, it's whether you, uh, you know, one, you know, I'm a, like, again, started off this podcast by talking about me being skeptical. And I'm like that with most things. And, and I'll say this, whether you're skeptical, not let yourself really just, you don't need to like buy into anything, but just give it a chance in the sense that even if you don't buy into what it is, the worst thing that'll happen is it really helps you grow uh, as a person. Um, it helps you kind of organize as somebody who can be a bit scatterbrained like me, as you know, um, it helps me focus on my my goals and what I want in life because it's there in front of me. I'm, I, I can see this is what's holding me back. 
And a lot of people are going to be able to see that regardless of where. So when you say numbers, it's like being on number and number. Yeah, I know I'm I know I'm a six and I know that there's, you know, you know, a six, seven. I know like, OK, I've got like a two heart. I, I know all those things. But what I and right away, it's interesting. So you like dive into all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But over time, what I've realized is that where can I grow? Where can I like you mentioned the strengths and weaknesses, where can I make my strengths stronger and my weaknesses, uh, you know, much more palatable. Yeah, and to to my point, that is the answer it to continued work with the enneagram. It's not well. What's my identity? Am I a six two one or am I six two eight or am I six two nine? What's my identity? I got to figure it out. I got to read more. It's what's going on in my life. How can this help me see what's going on in my life? And then where can I grow? So thank you for putting yeah, it in those terms. Absolutely. And uh, on the final topic of, of growth, yeah. and uh, I think, of course, wrap things up because we've been progressively getting deeper and yeah. in spiritual territory. So yes. I want to talk about your spiritual, religious experience, beliefs. We've heard a little bit of it in terms of having a, a very loving household, yes. A very um, religious household. Mm-hmm. You, you know, very. your dad was a, a, a role model for the teachings. Of course, some people have overtly religious parents who aren't good role models, and then that turns them off for life, right? To religion. Um, so you had that Catholic upbringing. Um, another interesting. Oh, and Luther. I'll say Lutheran too. You know, I say I only say that because you know we went to Lutheran churches growing up because. Again, where my dad did it, you know, my dad was Catholic, but the important thing was that, you know, just that, you know, we had the Christian values in the home. So, but it was important my mom that we went to Lutheran church and stuff okay. growing up. Okay. So, there's another way where my dad was really smart where he's like, this is what's important. He's really good at, you know, it's kind of like, like I said, that kind of the advice. The underlying yeah. values are important. That's what's important. Yes. And, and just, uh, and, and just from a Christianity standpoint, you know, the, the denomination part, which I agree with completely, um, is, is not, it's not saying it doesn't matter, but on a whole scheme of things, um, it's like, you know, it's like arguing politics. It's just, you know, for me, um, I see it's just what you're, you, you believe in God, you believe in, uh, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and that he died for your sins. You know, every Christian denomination believes that. It's just there's there's intricacies in between that co- creates a negative environment. Um, and uh, that's the problem I have. But in saying that, um, you know, and, and just, uh, you know, kind of like, I know I kind of, you were, you were getting to a point, but that is something that, you know, over, through the years I've, I've seen that and I struggled with too. Yeah, and... You're definitely finding a community and a way to express your religion spiritually now, which we'll get into a second. But sixes have this interesting relationship between faith and doubt, and belief and skepticism. And you've you've mentioned your faith at certain points, but you've also identified as a skeptic in certain points. And yes, I, I know we've had these conversations. With, uh, I don't totally remember the the, fine, the, the finer details of them. So. We'll get to where you are now in a second, but did atheist ideas ever appeal to you or did doubting the faith ever appeal to you or more rational arguments appeal to you? It's, I wouldn't say, like, I'm not somebody that 
has my head in the sand with certain things where it's like, oh, I see this, and all of a sudden I'm I'm led by it. Um, but I will, but I am open. I'm very open minded in that I'll see things that can make a change or a difference, and I'll look at that a little bit more thoroughly, and I'll make my mind up for myself, which I think recommend everybody to do is always is always be open minded to different things, um, and that's where like with any not just Christianity, but any religion is where it's really hurtful is when somebody says, if you don't do this or you have to do this, then you're going to hell. Like it's like, you know, as a Christian, I think the only thing that's important is that we are, yeah, there's ideals and values, but to judge somebody that you don't even know or to to base any decisions they made on something. And it's like, you know, like, you know, there'll be, you know, there's some hot button topics Obviously, we know a lot of them, um, and I'm not sure if this is like going on YouTube and stuff. And I don't want, so I'm not going to say anything. Get demonetized, but there are some hot button top topics in um, in religion that end up leaning towards politics, and it ends up being something where it's like you don't know somebody's life, you don't know what they like. And for me, um, and especially something that I didn't understand was specific, you know, people uh, people in general, but denominations where it's like you you have to do this. If you made this decision in your life, like you're going to like these like judgments. And what I always say is God makes the final judgment. And that is, so that is something where you'd live, you know, a lot of people be like, well, so somebody doesn't believe in God and you're believing Jesus Christ, their Lord and savior. What if they're, you know, uh, Buddhist or, um, you know, they're Jewish or what. And for me, I go, that's not my call. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's God's call. It's Christ's call. So the judgment that you'll see it, it, to answer your question is some of those judgment things, which I didn't see in my household. Like my, we had, I, we grew up with strong Christian values. And when I was young, went to church, I was, I helped teach Sunday school and confirmation. I was involved with help teaching and did some work with, I founded the name of our youth group at my church. Like I came up with the name, I think they still use today. I was like 12 mm-hmm. years old. Like uh, we went on a couple trips for, you know, World Vision. I was really involved with church. In fact, I almost thought about becoming a pastor. Like I was that much involved with the church. But, uh, and when I say thought about it, it was like very briefly. And it was just like, uh, it was, but at the same time, it was, it felt very like, structured court like there's a corporate feeling to it in a in a feeling in a very unhealthy way now um my when i would see just how my really my my brothers and my mom and dad just something that i did not share with them it was i did from time to time question my faith and like what if you like i remember being a kid and panicking like you know like that fear of death it's uh, you know like what if we just become nothing like that thought of becoming nothing? And what if there's nothing like that's panicking? And then, you know, I would be like, well, it's, you know, it's religion, no matter what it is. Is that like a crutch for somebody to, to, to this debilitating fear of just not existing? Is this like a crutch for that? And I would dig into that. My six where I'm like analyzing that. And even some people listening might be like, oh, this is oh, you're making me think about stuff I don't want to listen to. But that wh- is yeah. the fun. There is, I, oh, I'm, I'm happy you said happy. Um, yeah. That is, there is some something very deeply, deeply true about that for sixes. And the core fear of six um, 
is commonly called safety and security yeah. and, and guidance. And but that's even a little more superficial from getting into the deep questions about who am I and do I die? And I don't want to go there now, but no, that's that is, and that's something I found with other sixes too. But you know what? What I'll say is is this: uh, you know, um, after losing my dad and my brother, and then my dad, and just it's it really it really not like oh I'm mad at God, but it really made me question it. But not for the reasons you know a lot of people may think. It made me. I would just, it became, I became so hopeful. I'm like, my dad was such a wonderful man. I'm like, he loved God so much. You know, when he, you know, he died, he had his, you know, he had his, uh, you know, his, you know, his prayer bead still in his hand. Like he was just, it was, he was, um, it was, it was, it was this feeling of questioning my faith because I didn't, I, I didn't know for certain that God existed. And anybody that could know, I'm like, how, like, there's like, oh, there's no proof. And there's like, you got to believe. And, and that was something that in my family, I was different. Like my parents, my brothers, like they just, they absolutely just, it was, it wasn't a question. Mm -hmm. And another way of my dad just not being, he, you know, I think for sure as close as everybody was to God, he was the closest. And he was the only one that really understood my questioning of, God. And he, you know, where I, the rest of my family, I feel like was like panicked by the fact that I didn't have this like, un, like unaltering, like if he hooked me up to a line machine and said, are you a hundred percent? Nope. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. what, what my dad was though, is he's very good at, like, he was very much like, I believe that you'll get there. And it wasn't like, what's wrong. And I, you know, it didn't feel that pushback mm -hmm. like from, <clears throat> for a lot, from all. And, and, you know, and like I said, from my family, it felt wasn't coming from a place of, it was coming from a place of like them looking at me as somebody who's the world to them, obviously, and going, we don't want to spend eternity without you because of the way they see that. And I'm like, I hope you're right. Yeah. And that was like, just, they couldn't do it. And, but what ended up happening is, is um, losing my dad, um, I became just hopeful, like so hopeful that it was right, because the thought of him not, him not existing in another plane or existence is like very immensely troubling to me. And it, there's a point where I opened my mind to like, um, you know, Buddhism and some of the things that um, certain things, as you know, kind of helped me through as far as. Um, a calming demeanor from from some of those practices, and I and what I realized is some of those things for me, as far as like meditation and things, some of those practices I connected with. Um, but I struggling because it was like I just, as far as God goes, you know, Christ is my Lord and Savior. It was that was always pulling at me. Yeah, and um, you know what happened for me was simply that you know uh, you know over. And this was maybe six months ago. Um, it was just odd, you know. I was out, I was out with a you know mutual friend of ours. We were seeing a band. It was just a fun night out. Um, it'd been a lot of Saturdays and stuff, and it was just kind of like just kind of unwinding from the week. And um, I got a message from one of my friends, and hadn't been the first message, just inviting me to church. 
And I just didn't think anything about it. And then it just kind of hit me like, I need to be there. Yeah. And said I need to go. It was totally understood. You know, um, you know I'm lucky enough to have, uh, you know, friends like you and others that like are really supportive and understanding around me. And uh, went to church. And, and I grew up in a church that was not a not like a strict church, but I grew up in a church that was very much like, I was fe- feeling like I was being talked at instead of talked to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and this is a non-denominational church, and, you know, I'm sure a lot of viewers are familiar with non-denominational as they're so popular, you know, right now. Um, and again, I'd been to them, like I'd been to like a concert there, and I'd been to, uh, you know, for like a number of weddings, but I never actually like really like through an entire service. And, walking in and just you know like like bands playing i'm like wow this is like yeah energetic yeah. high and energy i went to see you the other day it was like nothing i've ever been to because i i went to a pretty traditional church Catholic yeah upbringing and uh man i could just see how walking into that and seeing the music would just take you to a silence everything else that was going on inside of you and just bring you to kind of a moment of awe and beauty when i needed it the most and just and again my friend invited me him and his wife um they're spending time with them they're like i would always say even before this just like you know we all have different kind of friends and stuff they're the kind of friends that like they're just genuinely thoughtful and kind they don't think about anything for themselves and it's always about giving uh, and, and being thoughtful and caring. So it was just something that was just valued so much in, in my relationship there. Um, so I trusted in, not in the church specifically, or trusted in it just, but it was a feeling I had. And as a six, it's like weird to just jump, but it was something I just like, I trusted and I felt was right. And one, I remember walk even walking in the door um, you know, they have, they just find out later, uh, you know, kind of, you know, going there for, for quite some time now, but how many people just volunteer. And it was a feeling of a community, a congre- you know, congregation, but community was just very different in the sense that there's like three people smiles on their face, just saying, hi, welcome. It was, it was, it, it just, it was a genuine, like, you know, we want you to be here. It doesn't matter. I don't need to know anything about you except that you're walking in the door and giving this a try. And and I know you heard this because they do this to start off each and every service. Um and it's you know, and it's it's a it's a you know big church and you know, I'll I'll give a shout out River Glen on this one because it is really uh it's cha- it changed my life and and uh really it, it helped it helped me find that find my connection with God that I net that I thought I had lost in a way, but I never truly knew I had because there were things happening for the first time in my life through God that were, because, you know, I'm that, you know, analytical type and read things that were happening through God that I was like, this is not coincidence, strange things like walking in and just having, and they say this right away there is like, you know, and again, you heard it when you, you know, came as like, it's like if this is your first time here or you know or you've been here it they it's a very welcoming thing and the thing that for me that connected with me like any relationship and i i learned this and i'll uh, kind of you know i could keep get it long but i'll keep it as short as i can is that is that there is a 
connection that this group uh, that I had with that I didn't know that I needed. And, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't just, you know, my friends there, but they're, you know, invited me out. Um, I remember right away as they would do like brunch with their family. And I'm like, these are some of the most amazing and wonderful people. And that kept me coming back at first. And the music, I was like, oh, this is amazing. And, you know, like I mentioned previously, like, you know, we were talking about things I get into music is like the impact it has on others. And what I loved is when we would play huge shows, like we, we played some big shows, like a lot of people, <clears throat> people dancing, having fun. I'd see that and that was like the best thing for me. Um, and what I was seeing just from being a spectator was something I never witnessed before. Cause you know, you know, I'd see some of the other band, like big national bands. Something that was different here is I didn't see Dan people just loving and having fun dancing. I saw people putting their hands up, like they're connecting mm-hmm. with something deeper. And those, even though it's God, the, the 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 music, the musicians, both the the energy and the skill set coming through was implementing that. So I'm like, I, I need to be a part. Like I wanted to be a part of that. And then just here, and it wasn't like a boring sermon like you'd hear. Like I would, you know, some of the traditionalists out there might go, "Oh, well, sermons are," uh, but it it was like, hey, it was uplifting and motivating, but also had, you know, related to scripture and the Bible and certain things like that too. And what what ended up happening is I was like, it just kind of hooked me almost really just immediately in, in, the, in the not knowing I needed it more than, more than anything at that point, because it's just, I think some people feel like when they're they're like, oh, I was, you know, I knew how lost I was. I didn't realize how lost I was. I was just, you know, like treading, like just not moving. And yeah, making some great decisions. But in my life and who I am as a person wasn't really coming out in a way that was fulfilling. So even though all a lot of, you know, I was doing a lot of things that I knew were good decisions and changes in my life, there was a there's never there wasn't a real sense of happiness mm-hmm. uh, and joy and fulfillment and that was something that happened and i just it was and i could feel it it was something i hadn't felt in a long long time maybe if ever like that and that realization of that that feeling i knew i needed to pursue that and um yeah I, uh, you know i auditioned uh for the band there which you know it's it's you know, weird cuz it's like yeah you know us being professional musicians for so long, be, I was like, it was one of those things where, you know, if people go to, you know, some of these churches, they realize these people are really talented. Yeah. Like there's some really yeah. amazing talent and they just, you know, are, and so I was like, it, it was so, and again, our band, like I was part of that starting. So I'd like never auditioned for a band and these like, again, really talented musicians and um, yeah, audition and they made it, you know, I remember just getting up there to audition and, and it's, you know, I had some butterflies going simply because, I'm like, oh, you know, being a six, thinking about the outcome, I'm like, if I get this, like, I could really, like, it's so impactful. Like, I could change, you know, help help have an impact on somebody else, you know, finding Christ, like I'm f- finding, and it was just like, it meant a lot. So, I was a little, and I remember them, like, and you saw a stage, there was a you know, huge stage, they don't, they don't, uh, you know, they don't discount there. It's like, you know, it's like, an, it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it can yeah. be. 
and they, you know, it, it, it's it's a lot to take in. And I will say this: it was great because you know, um, the our worship leader there uh, right before it started, it was like you know, I was beyond prepared. Obviously, it meant a lot, and I knew it did. Um, but you know, said a prayer for me, and it was like, help relax, you know. You know, dear Lord, help relax Chris's nerves. All that kind of stuff. It was like it was like it was just in in, um, and I had gotten some advice where it was you know, and it wasn't. Uh, and this person, uh, a mutual friend of ours, was like, you know, oh yeah, yeah, just saying like, you know, Chris, you know, you're like, like playing this music for God, like, and it was like my, uh, and those of us who have seen the band know that. Uh, I tend to be a little, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm You're a performer. performer. I'm a performer. You are a performer. And it's genuine. I, I feel the music. I move to it. I dance. Like, I just feel everything. And that's part of who I am. He's like, maybe calm some of that down. And I was thinking, okay, I don't want, because, you know, this is for God. And it's like, you're not showing it. What I realized, luckily, just kind of came to me, is like, I, I'm not being showy. I'm being me. Mm-hmm. And this is part of who I am. And what's interesting is, you know, I did the audition. I was, and I just, I just let i was just myself i let everything kind of flow through me it felt felt very like amazing um and you know i got a call back for us to you know talk myself and the music director and i realized that um the thing that i was most worried like the most worried about like oh are they gonna it was meant made a mention of it like uh we you know because they you know recorded me and stuff and they watched it back and it was like most bassists are stoic yeah and what set you apart was you you're fun to watch. We love watching you play. So the thing that was... Ain't that funny? What you were worried about ended up being your asset. Right. And it was like, okay. And it was it was just and it was just me being myself and who I am. And it made me feel even more welcome because I was, you know... And again, this person was obviously trying to give good advice, but it was coming from a perspective of like, I followed my heart and I took the... And it's it was like, seems like it, just those decisions... And a lot of things you don't know what's coming, and it, but I just it, it trusts this environment, and being a part of this worship band and meeting more people, I'm like realizing how many people I'm meeting that are just like these people feel like family right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm also finding with the is that most people um, don't know anything about Enneagram. You know, you know, people watching that that don't, but a lot, you know, a lot of you do. But as those of you that do know that not a lot of people know it at all. Like bring it up and be like, what the heck is that? And be like, oh, it's just some, or if they do, that's like, oh, it's just some personality test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just kind of downplay it like it's nothing. And I had not brought it up there. And some, we were in the green room. Um, beautiful green room, by the way, best green room I would I put it up against anything else, which is incredible. <laughs> we've been in some horror. We've been in some horrible. Yeah, sure. They probably easily compete some of the. Oh my the, god! You, the, wouldn't, the, you the wouldn't dive bar uh, green rooms. You wouldn't, that we've you had. wouldn't believe it. Like uh, the good Lord provides, and He provided like a stellar green room for us. <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. Like it, it just uh, they do it. They do it right at some of these churches. I'm letting you know. But River Glen, it does it awesome. Uh, but in, in this scenario, we were just in the green, green room, and you know, as as you saw, we'll. Uh, you know, we'll do, uh, you know, three songs to start a service and then they do, you know, all, you know, everything, the message. And at the end of the, you know, at the end we'll do, uh, you know, we'll do, we'll do a song at the end to kind of just close out the service. So we have a lot of time in the green room to kind of just talk and get to know each other. And somebody brought up Enneagram and I'm like, whoa. And, I, and I'm like, yeah. that was just shocking to me yeah. because it's so, you just don't hear it. And I was, of course I had to get it. And I realized like how many of these people were really educated on Enneagram and how, how important it was. And here's the thing too, as somebody new, didn't know anybody, it, 
anything else it it it's a conversation yeah, starter yeah, it's an yeah. icebreaker and if somebody doesn't know it like i say it's like you can talk oh i see this in you and you can you know anything but what i was finding too is that in talking to a lot of these folks and i think part of the reason i just felt connected in a way even though we maybe didn't i didn't see anything in common or very different people like you know younger older like it was yeah. just like yeah it was but it was a weird connection is that most of them were sixes and Bingo. it was just like it was it was it was beyond interesting and it was like sixes but it was like a lot of uh, two heart types so you know like i would see that too but it was like across the board it was like six and you could see it and it was very uh, most most of them like i want to say like three quarters maybe more Ooh, uh and it I'm, was just it I'm, was just like that i'm it, salivating it for a response yes right yes now. so go ahead go ahead okay so i remember when very early on when we were f- first getting into the enneagram and talking about it and i was kind of introducing to it to you and then you were doing your own you know kind of research and you came across this uh richard Rohr video yep um where he makes the claim that the majority of people are type six, perhaps 50 or 60%. The six is by far the biggest type. Many would say it's actually 50% of the human race. And then he goes on to say, I think, hypothesize for why that might be. And, you know, he says, well, perhaps because a lot of people didn't have secure upbringing. So a lot of people are concerned about safety and security, which interestingly, as we discussed, you were six, but you had a secure upbringing. So About as secure as you can that, have. That, yep. that doesn't apply there. Right. But my response to that as an observer from a very distant view is that I don't doubt that he is accurately typing the people he comes across. He, he's, he's a very good Enneagram teacher. He knows his stuff. But I've noticed certain religions, certain philosophies, thir- certain belief systems, certain values intrinsically attract certain types. So I do not believe at all. I I think the general population is about as evenly split amongst Enneagram types as you can get. All of them? Yes. Okay. But I believe that certain, the more niched you get, the more you build a community around a set of values or ideas, the more you tend to attract a certain type. And I think through our conversation, you have highlighted several of the reasons why in particular, some particular Christian communities, it's heavily weighted towards six. Um, There is that fear of death component that is very strongly at the root of six. And all religions speak to that in some degree, but I think that the way that Christianity speaks about it in terms of heaven and the afterlife is kind of the the nicest fit for six. Right. Um, On the more cynical side, we discussed the early influences of the kind of uh, very judgmental fear-based religion that, you know, if you don't believe this, if you don't believe that, you're getting damned and going to hell. So I think that kind of hooks a lot of sixes in, in, a, in a negative sense where they're not able to have a healthy relationship with religion because they're sensitive to fear and yep. fear has been instilled in them. Absolutely. I can be open to that. I absolutely. And then, and then uh, as a final note, but maybe not even a final note, uh, 
just the sense of community and the, the real sense of being in a in a community where there's a heart space and yeah. um so it wasn't surprising to me that you found um this community and I'm super happy about it cuz I think it's seen all the positive impacts that you've had on it and as a sick you know it's getting you out I heard things like trusting my heart and yeah. It's getting you to experiment with life and find God through your own personal exper- yes. experience with reality and with people rather than this sixth conversation of going back and forth about belief systems in, you know, in the head. It's getting you to find God through experience, not through belief, which is the only way you can. So feeling welcomed, feeling welcomed. It, it, it kind of just being around a lot of in in this environment specifically I can only speak to you know you know this church but I imagine a lot of churches are like this is that it's a and I didn't know how much I needed it is a feeling of being welcomed and loved but without an agenda there is no agenda yeah nobody wants anything from me there is no expectation. It just is very, and I don't make any anybody else in it. It, it. It's, I. It's, it's weird because I would, you know, it's, you know, again, the, I see myself in a lot of. Again, you see yourself in your other types, right? So I, I see myself in a lot of them, and but I also it helps me grow in a sense. Like I was like, oh, sixes and sixes like can be problematic, but at the same time, um, I see some that are very, like where I go. That's me, but kind I think of that's, more. Have I think it, yeah. that's large. I, I think that's mostly maybe in like an intimate relationship yeah. where you know there's just too much similarities and there's not enough complementary differences. But yes, in terms of groups or friendships, I think people of a similar type or same type often get yes, along. Yes, that, and that's well. a, that. Yep, that's a perfect way to say it. And seeing a lot of the just the strengths where I see it and go, wow, okay, I I see myself in this person. Yeah, you can person, see your yeah. strengths reflected back at you because like you say, sometimes you're aware of your strengths, but sometimes you're self-depreciating. So it's easy yeah. when you see a lot of people like you who are like you in the best way and yep. then you can take ownership of that more. Yeah, and, and having that, you know, where it, it's interesting being, you know, being in, you know, being in a worship band, which is very different than, you know, in our band. And, and again, we'll, we'll always be, as much as maybe we've had issues and stuff, you know, it's a lot less than pretty much most fans we hear about. We oh, were yeah. just we we're just like it like we're all friends and family. And it's like we we were fortunate enough to be together for a number of years. Um and being around and it's just, you know, being around this for so long as we have and just seeing and hearing other things and, and seeing it it's it is in being in a worship band, it's it's very different in that it's you know you made a comment like I can see how this is you. It's, it's about feeling. I mean, every song builds. It's, it's. There's like this. You just you're meant to feel it. It's, it's supposed to be. You're supposed to connect spiritually with the music in a different way. And and seeing Pete like, you know, it it when you have that kind of impact where I'm you know playing and I I'm feeling I look out and somebody's got their hand up raising their hand up to God and you're like this is like it's it's a connection you feel like that you have with that person and you have with God together. It's just it is a it, 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 it's kind of an undescribable feeling of uh, 
I don't want to say a high or like a euphoria. It's just, but it's like a, a spirit, uh, like a spiritual nirvana. That's really difficult to explain besides just saying it simply like that. Um, and having that kind of impact, there's nothing like it. Not, for me, as much, I mean, out of the hundreds of shows we've played and done and as great times I look back on, it's a different thing. And, and, uh, and when you see the people around you, share that feeling of we are all doing this for for not for ourselves we're not doing it for we're doing it for the highest power and it's that you're doing it for god and it's and sometimes you and believe me we all get off it'd be like oh i missed a couple more like same thing we do like more like you just you know over critical and then the difference though i would see is is that every single one of us we all like support each other like and not in a like patronizing way it's like you know we have one guy uh you know one guy on the worship team older guy but he's he's great he says this thing where he goes oh i missed a couple but i played more right notes than wrong notes so you know <laughs> he just kind of like just very yeah, yeah very much like that and it's kind of like that was something that sat with me i like i tell him i'm like i'm gonna use that you mind if i use that he's like i took it from somebody else of course he yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was just like something that sits it's that uh you know, being in an environment that is just when you don't have, when you have that love and being welcome and there's no like personal agenda, at least that's the focus. Yeah. Uh, it is, it, it, it makes you just want to be there all the time and being able to uh, be a part of that community on the worship team. And then, you know, I also play, uh, will perform and, and uh, they have something there called CR, which is continued recovery. I'm sure a lot of churches have that. And, and uh, they, you know, I, I play there too. And it's just like, people are going through the worst, the worst or recovering from the worst, the worst and being able to, you know, uh, provide that part of it. And, and it, it just, it makes such a huge difference. So yeah, I love it. Awesome, man. I thank you so much for being willing to be honest, open. And I think this podcast, maybe more than any, has lived up to the the name. I don't know if I ever told you that. Talking Truth is what I decided to call the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah and, that, would, that would be it. Uh, thank you. It, yeah, it man. couldn't well, happen without a, a willing guest to kind of bear their mind, bear their heart, bear their soul. And uh, happy to do it. I hope that a lot of sixes and non-sixes see this and get some benefit because I think we covered a lot of terrain, a lot of human experience that is deeply personal, but also something that a lot of people will find universal and highly relatable. And uh, is there anything else you want to say to sixes or people out there in general? As a, You know, the only thing speaking to everybody is, um, you know, is again, we dive, got into this a little bit is, uh, you know, anybody who is, knows Enneagram or is interested in it, um, you know, Elliot here is, is kind of your, is kind of a go-to, you know, and he may be a bit modest about it. And, and, and a lot of, I'm sure what he's, I just, I don't know him out, you know, really outside, you know, in, within the podcast experience, but personally, and just talking about Enneagram, he, he loves this with his whole heart. He dives into it head first. Uh, this is, you know, this, this is really, um, you know, the podcast to, to listen to and watch to, to really, uh, get deeper meaning, not just be educated on the specifics technically, but deeper meaning in it. And, uh, he's had a true impact in changing my life for the better. Um, and I know he can do that for you too, no matter what winning gram number you are. Dang, bro. <laughs> That's true. It's just true. I'm spitting facts, my All friend. All right, man. That's well, true. wow. Thank you, man. Thank you so you much. Die. 
Anytime. Right. Anytime. I'll come back anytime you want me. All right. 